just a bloke in a bar. Bonjour, and welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar. Look, um, I'm doing it tough at the moment, doing it tough. She's, uh, yeah, look, Europe's not what it seems, guys. It's not as great as it looks on the, the pitches. Uh, it's not really as exciting. It doesn't really open your mind up, and you don't really appreciate how lucky we are. Uh, but anyway, I'm here uh, for another episode of Bloke in a Bar, brought to you by Summer of Cricket. I mean, the footy's still on, but there is a summer of cricket here, and that merch is available on bloke.shop. We want to see as many people as possible. We're in this at the cricket grounds over the summer. I want to see blokes tonking cherries left, right, and centre, good areas. We've got floppy hats as well. Uh, so make sure to go to bloke.shop uh, and grab it either tonking cherries. We've got that in brown or blue, and it's obviously got tonkin cherries on the back, a small bloke on the front. And then we've got a white shirt that has good areas on the back. And then we've got yellow floppy hats, which, I mean, perfect for the summer. Whether you're mowing your lawn, you're on the tools, or you're watching the, the cricket, or even the footy. Uh, there is limited supply, guys. This is not like, for example, with the Bloke Nation shirts, that was a pre-sale. So we've sent most of them out, but there's still more to come out. So that's, that's something that, like, it's not limited in numbers. Whereas this is, we've already printed the shirts. They're ready to go. They'll get to you with probably within one to three days, and uh, once they're gone, they're gone. So get the Tonkin Cherries kit, get the Good Areas kit. Um, it's at bloke.shop. And, uh, yeah, we've also got, actually, huge announcement because I've been getting pestered, but I appreciate the, I appreciate being pestered about it. Bar mats, bloke bar mats, are now available on bloke.shop for $35.95. Like the ones in the bloke studio. I don't know if you've got any near the great Gurino. Yeah, I've got one in front of me, mate. So if you've... Uh, they are fucking sick. They're unreal. If you've got yourself a uh, man cave without one of these, you don't have yourself a man cave, unfortunately. 100%. 100%. But pretty much like, you know those, those stickers on products that say like Aussie made or disapproved? That's what that's, that mat is for a man cave. If you have that in there and someone walks in and goes, oh, this is this is actual man cave. This is an official certified one. That's a bloke dot shop, baby. All right, so get there. Grab whatever you want. And also brought to you by Bloke Beer, the best beer in all the land. You guys know the drill. We're in every celebrations bottle uh, Porter's Liquor and IGA Plus Liquor in New South Wales and ACT, plus hundreds of other stores across Queensland, New South Wales, ACT and Victoria. It's a beautiful beer, guys. Trust me. Trust me. Go and give her a crack. Easy, easy drinking. The feedback we get is amazing. We've also got the mid-strength out, which some people even think that's even better. So give the mid-strength a crack if you're more of a midi drinker. But I am with the great Gurino. Guru, how are you going, brother? Mate, I'm going well. We got a bit of sun today in Sydney, and I was very grateful. And then I opened your Zoom call, and fuck, I'm off you. <laughs> it is it is a tough knock. I'm not even happy for you. It is brutal to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, uh, as I said, like, you're just not that good. Like, seriously, overrated, overrated. Doesn't beat bloody the country of Mudrabar, that's for sure, mate. Uh, <laughs> Timmy, how you going, mate? Kempi, I was pretty off you when this uh, when this video <laughs> popped up of you wherever it is in the world that you are. Then I remembered that I've I've stolen half the bloke cases from the bloke studio <laughs> since you've been gone. So I'm like, you know what? This is sort of balanced out all right for you. I'm sitting here drinking your cold tin, so I'm all right with where you are at the moment. You can stay a bit longer. <laughs> That's a win. That's a massive win, uh, boys. I'm I'm feeling refreshed. I'm feeling very refreshed. Like I'm not going to lie. I think the beak is getting more powerful. I think it's you know why because. I'm over here where the beak is accepted. It's natural. It's over here. It's it's it's. You look left, right, and center. You're one of the people. You're one of the people. Um, you had another so spot on that porch, Campy, or not? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds um, nice. 
anyway, uh, yeah, no, it's really enjoyable. I also really, really appreciate all the messages that like people are you know saying stoked for you, enjoy the holiday. I really do appreciate that because I don't want to, you know, it's, it's hard to like share it with everyone without like big note and you don't want to be a derrick that's like oh look how fucking great this trip is or whatever um but i appreciate all the really kind messages but let's get to the footy baby um let's get to the footy uh sorry before i get to the footy i just want to send my um you know you know on a serious note now my serious most deepest condolences to Liam hampson uh his family and his friends absolutely devastating absolutely devastating uh you know i've met Liam, I, I'm not here to say that I'm, you know, the best mate of, with him or whatever, but I had met him a couple of times and um, a real gentle, kind kind of guy. Not, You know, you, you meet a lot of people and they, they don't really leave an impression of what their personality is on you on a small amount of times. But Liam did for me personally. Uh, there's just a, a quick little story just to show you what kind of bloke he is. So I went over to uh, Brimo's house. I, I, I'm quite close with Brimo's. So this, when this all happened, it really... Yeah, it really hurt. Anyway, um, anyway, so I went over to Brimo's house to drop some cases of beer over, as a good mate does. And uh, he had a game the next day. And it would have been like 9 o'clock. Anyway, the mad dog, like absolute mad dog. I, I, if I had a game the next day, there's no way I'm coming down to speak to anyone. Like I'm in my room because my head noise is off its charts. Anyway, this proves like, like you often say, oh, he's one of the boys. But it, that gets thrown about a bit too much. Liam was one of the boys. He comes down. He's fucking probably woken up. So his hair's all over the place, sits down, gets a tin, doesn't have like, he has one can, but it's not stupid. Um, and just yarns with the boys. And I was, and, and it's just one of those things where it really is, in the small time I spent with him, um, I really got a real good feeling from him, a really good feeling from him. He's a, he's a great lad. So deepest, deepest condolences to Brimo, uh, to his family, feeling for Jordan Ricky, feeling for Will, um, it really hurts to see this all unfold. Um, so, yeah, I guess uh, if you're if you're listening and you knew Liam, um, I'm sending my deepest condolences to you. Uh, now, on to do you guys had you guys had any experience watching him play footy for the Warriors Juniors or Redcliffe or anything like that? Yeah, I actually remember him playing uh, for for the Warriors Juniors. I hadn't seen him play up in Queensland Cup, but um, a handy player. And yeah, occasionally we have these days in rugby league and. Fuck, they don't get easier, do they? Just devastating stuff. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay, let's get to the footy. Uh, now, Andrew Fafita retires. This is a really interesting one because, you know, his last few years, he's been a bit, obviously, like last couple of years, probably a bench player um, and, and doing almost a, a job, even though he's a, he's a superstar. And you, you kind of rarely see a superstar go to become a guy that's willing to do a job. And and Fafita has had such a, a roller coaster of a career and it hasn't been perfect, but his life hasn't been perfect. It hasn't been at all. And yet I, I think that, you know, when it's all said and done, first of all, we need to realize this guy at his peak, and, and people are going to say this is hyperbolic and you know I'm I'm everyone can have a different opinion. Totally sweet. I this guy at his peak is as good as any front role that's played the game. On his day, I'm not saying consistently, not across his um, whole career. I'm saying you could make arguments that if Fafita goes out and plays the best he can play, he could match it with nearly any front rower in the game. That's how good this guy was. You can't forget his 2016 uh, grand final. I mean, what a what a decisive moment for the club. And I know Sharks fans all appreciate that, but I think because 
it, it, it gets a little bit lost in what this guy has done in the game. And then I also think that for his character evolvement, on the last few years of his career, he could have kicked stones, kicked rocks and sooked and been like, I'm a superstar. What am I doing playing in resis and then on the bench? And on, on top of all that, he could have even gone to a bit of a next level and said, okay, I'm on the bench. I'll just do my job. But he went even further than that. He said, okay, I'm not the man anymore. I'm going to help the young boys and the other guys that are taking my spots be the best versions of themselves. So I just want to give my massive, massive praises to Andrew Fafida. I think that as time passes and we get further away from his last couple of years, I think more people will look back on his career and go, oh, wow, this this guy was special. Not to mention the impact he had. The One of the first big players to say, you know what? I'm not going to play for Australia. I'm going to play for Tonga. It changed the game of rugby league forever. The world game has a long, long way to go. There is no denying that. But that decision right there was the snowball. Him and Taumalolo, and that's to not to disrespect any player that had played before, but they were at the height of their powers. Uh, so just want to sh- just share those thoughts in, re- in regards to Fafita. I got a lot of time. What, what are your thoughts, Guru? Yeah, I agree, especially on the uh, on the international game stuff. Like, if the international game is where we think and we hope it's going to be over the next few years, for me, it all comes back to that moment for a guy to walk out of a Kangaroos squad to go and represent Tonga. That was unheard of. <clears throat> Like you just uh, no, nothing like that had happened before, and it, it really did change the game of rugby league. As far as the Sharks go, like in my mind, the Sharks, you know, they're going to win more premierships in the future at some point, but they're only ever going to win that first one once. And he will forever, for me, be the face of that grand final. I, I posted a thing the other day on Instagram about uh, that involved Michael Ennis and. Fafita commented on it within about fifteen minutes and said, um, "Michael Ennis won me a grand final." I felt like saying. No, you won that fucking grand final. They don't win that grand final if you weren't on the field. Yes, Mick threw you the ball. You were the one that won that grand final. And I personally, like, you go back and watch that game, just how close it was. And Melbourne played well in that game. Fafita was the difference. And there is no doubt about that whatsoever in my mind. And if he didn't leave the Tigers and go to the Cronulla, again, go to the Cronulla Sharks, I don't think they've won a premiership. I really don't. Uh, I agree. And you know what's so kind of poetic about it is that Storm have the answer for everything except unbridled talent. Talent, you just cannot you cannot defend <laughs> that. There's no systems that you can create. There's no video sessions that you can do. And Fafita had that. And that's what broke their back, which is crazy to think. Yeah, the, the two things for me that come to mind for Fafita are obviously the 2016 grand final. That uh, It was a career-defining moment for Andrew Fafita. And... There were I won't go obviously into them because not the point of the the conversation in, in reflecting on Andrew Fafita's career, but there are things that went that, that went on off field prior to that final series. A few um, political things that went into that game when it came to the Clive Churchill medal decision, and uh, not just because I was a little bit bitter because I was on him for the Clive Churchill medal, but he was the best player in that grand final. And Clive Churchill medalists go down in folklore, and I don't think people will forget. You two clearly haven't forgot that Andrew Fafita, with no disrespect to Luke Lewis, who was fantastic in that grand final. Andrew Fafita was the Clive Churchill, should have been the Clive Churchill medalist in that grand final. And uh, for a few reasons, it didn't eventuate, but I don't think people will forget what he did there. And then the second thing was just that, you know, you, you see a, a lot of great players fizzle out the back end of their careers. Happens in every sport, to every club, to every team, to most players. And Timmy, Timmy, I fizzled out at the start of my career, bro. <laughs> at least you had one, mate. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what was it like to have a start of a career? <laughs> uh, and he, 
Andrew Fafida looked for a moment there a couple of years back that he might have fizzled out towards the end and largely because of injuries and, and nothing too much else. Other than that, his body looked like it was giving way on him. Uh, and what he was able to do the last two years, and in particular the season just been, was he just got himself up and going when people thought he was done and dusted. And he put together a tremendous final year of his NRL career. And I'm so grateful for that and happy for him because he wasn't just on the bench playing a 20-25 minute role because he'd what he'd done at that club in the past. He did it because he was in an enormous impact for the Sharkies this year. And uh, to go out... No one goes out on top in rugby league, I don't think, aside from a select few. He went out playing some really good rugby league. And I think as well, like, obviously, we spend a lot of time on social media, so we probably notice it more than others. But, mate, just watching the Cronulla Sharks and all these young kids in this team that are, you know, they're they're Monday to Friday on social media, Fafita is always at the centre of everything. Like, he's been fantastic on the field, but I think off the field, he's played a huge role for this Sharks team, and I really do think uh, they're going to miss him a lot. I mean, all the young guys that obviously came out and posted about him, it wasn't all about footy. It was about, Chitty says, off the field, stuff he G's him up about his diet and all this sort of stuff. Like, he's obviously played an integral part on the field for the Sharkies, but I think the last few years, off the field, Monday to Friday, he's been unreal for them. Oh, and I I totally agree, Guru, and and I think that they should keep him around at the club to be able to be that connection between, you know, all young men, not all young men, a lot of young men struggle with certain things, especially in rugby league. You know, it's a it's a tough game from a tough area. And Fafita's the perfect guy to go, you know what, bro? I made those mistakes. This is the direction you need to go. And he he, he sometimes it, you need a person that you can relate to to be able to listen to them. Whereas if, let's say, a, a guy that's never done anything wrong and he's telling you how to live your life and you're like, mate, you've not been through what I've been through. What, what, what do you? What, how do you know how I feel? Whereas for feeder, I think, can really help some of those fringe court uh, cases. Um, I just wanted to also read you a quote. The great NRL Roast put this up. And I saw everyone sharing it. Um, now, this is and it's, the quote is from the Daily Ter- Telegraph. Um, this is what he said. I need an os- osteo... Osteotomy, uh, osteotomy, I don't even know how to say it properly, surgery on my left knee. Uh, that's when they actually cut the bone and add tissue to realign your bones. Realign your bones. I need my left ankle surgically straightened. I need my right shoulder reconstruction. My nose bone is collapsing, so I need a nose reconstruction. So do I. Uh, I need my middle finger fused, a right elbow arth- arthroscopy, arthroscopy. Sorry about the terrible reading. Uh, and I've lost all my back teeth, so I need dental surgery and teeth implants. That's what he would need to do to play next year. And so, and, and look, we're all guilty of it when we go, bloke, this bloke, he can barely move or this, that, or he had a bad game or, or whatever. And you lose that and you're like, oh, that kind of makes a little bit of sense now, even though Fafita played really well at the end. But it's like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, he had a bit going on. A bit going on. He was still ripping and tearing. Um, so what, what I, as, you know, just to capital off, what I really like about the, the end to Fafita's career is I really felt he, he won back. You know, he had a, that negative stuff, as we're talking about, Timmy, that happened or whatever. But I think all this last few years was a real kind of winning, not winning back because he's not trying to do that, but just getting a lot of, oh, this guy is not just a natural gifted freak or whatever. He is tough. He is willing to go the extra mile. So congratulations, Fafita. Fafita! Um, <laughs> incredible career, incredible career. Uh, 
Uh, now, on to anything else, boys? Or uh, Maddie, did you have anything to do with him in the Origin camps? Because he was good in, was it 2014 Origin that he was incredible? Or I was one Origin where he tore us apart. Yes, I was actually going to bring this up. It was game one, 2017. And unfortunately, it gets forgotten a little bit because that was the year that New South Wales won that game up in Suncorp. How good. Then in game two, we're up 16-6 at half time and then just choked. Dan Gagai scored a double. And then Cam Munster debuts. Oh, yeah, in- baby. Cam Oscar's debuts in game three. But anyway, aside from the result, Andrew Fafida in that first Origin game, for a front row to go up to Suncorp, I think he scored, he set up a try. He he just, he did absolutely everything. It was, I reckon it was the best performance of his career. Like obviously the 2016, that was his moment. But as for a game... Suncorp Stadium. Oh, it's one of the greatest individual performances of all time. Club, state, country in my books. It was unbelievable. So... Yeah, Andrew Fafida had so many good moments in his career and he was, yeah, that's how he should remember. He, he, that's how he should be remembered for that 2016 grand final and that for that 2017 origin performance because it was crazy. How about New South Wales choking and Dane Gagai scoring two tries? You've narrowed it down to about 15 games. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking doesn't help at all. <laughs> Uh, I, I remember, um, I remember the, the I remember the feeling as a Queenslander, and I think like the feeling coming out of the camp. Now, obviously, Queensland notoriously they, I mean, maybe I'm being biased here, but they don't really talk that much in regards. It's usually like the feeling of this or that, and the feeling was basically we are gonna f- dominate if like because because we'd been so dominated by Fafita at Suncorp, it was like insulting to us. That was the feeling coming out of Queensland. To in, to make the, the to have that emotional reaction on such one player on such a well-oiled machine is almost the highest form of flattery. Mm. The high. Let me think about that. How many years Queensland have almost been clinically cold, emotionless in what they do all around the park? And it, it sounds crazy because you're like they've got they're full of passion. But when you watch them play, they're so clinical. So for Fee to do that, incredible. But anyway, um, now on to the next topic. The the most organic man in all the <laughs> land. He only eats organic. Matter of fact, I've heard a bit of, look, there's a bit of chat. I've got connections in the Australian camp. I know a few of the boys. A bit of chat is there's some dramas because there's no organic food over there. So Angus Crichton uh, has re-signed with the Roosters. Uh, look, I, I can't confirm or deny there may be a third-party deal with an organic company. Uh, they've also signed Jackson, uh, is it Paulo or Paolo? Uh, oh, anyway, uh, and Jake Turpin. But let's talk about Angus Crichton. Is this the longest, strangest, most bizarre, but also such a testament to the loyalty and relationship that they have can I, can that I start, we've ever seen? Can I start here? Sorry? I'll start here. Yeah. I made a post for you, Denon, at the back end of last year saying Angus Crichton re-signs with Roosters. I've still got it in my phone, and I texted you saying, hey, I just put this in the drive. I'll text you when it's been confirmed. And it took over a year uh, for it to be confirmed. We changed our uh, like our post format about sixteen times. He lost a finger in that <laughs> time. He was wearing it's an been e- forever. He's yeah. wearing an Eastern Suburbs jersey in that photo. <laughs> yeah, it, it, <laughs> it was. Uh, hey, that's what. Yeah, that's what you get here at Bloke in a Bar. We wait sixteen months to confirm shit. That's how, <laughs> that's how good we do it here, baby. Um, you know what's crazy is I did a podcast with him. It might it might even be nearly two years ago now, boys. I can't – like, you can go check it out on uh, Bloke in a Bar YouTube. Yeah, uh, start so, of 2020. Yeah, sure start of 2021. Start of 2020. He told me the deal was done then. He was like, yeah, no, nah, all good. <laughs> wow. He was like, yeah, no. Nah. So he's like, oh, 
yeah, no, nah, it's um, what he, he was like. I was like, oh, you know, so what are you going to extend or resign? And this might have been before his other deal. I, I don't know, but anyway, he was like, no, nah, no, nah, it's all good. Spoken to Nick, and and we'll we'll work it out. Like it's there's no no stress. Think about that. That's that's too. Unless I'm being incorrect, and he signed a deal in between those times. But if not, that's two years of uncertainty, as in uncertainty to us. But what a relationship! And I mean, the the Roosters, like I don't know the full story or whatever. But I really believe that uh, uh, something like that, the Roosters, I'm sure they will appreciate it, but I really hope they appreciate that because we're talking about the game's most consistent back rower. Ser- like He's the game's most consistent back rower along a period of time, playing at the highest quality. We've seen how good he's been at the World Cup. For him to be like, I don't have a contract, but I'm going to trust you, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to trust you, I think that's incredible. Thoughts, Guru? Yeah, especially like when you look over the last two years, it's been a like I, I personally think he, he's the best back rower in, in rugby league over the last two years. I think he's been incredible. And you also consider that Trent Robinson's played him as a middle forward, a stack. There's been a lot of times where I think he's been playing out of position. He's been without a contract, but the Roosters being the Roosters and them being the organisation that they are, they were not worried in the slightest, and nor was Angus. There's not many places that that would happen. Oh, two years? Holy, like two like two years, you wouldn't get cold feet and say, oh, I need to go to the market. And he wouldn't be getting paid what he's worth. There's no way. And it's also there's like no it's way. two years that the Roosters sat there going, we know there's a World Cup coming. We know that the Wallabies could throw an <coughs> absolute arm and a leg at this guy. We'll be fine. It'll be okay. Yeah. We'll still get our guy. And he would, he would kill it in Union. 100%. If you go and watch his younger highlights, holy shit, he's a beast. Timmy, speak to me. What are you feeling, baby? Oh, mate, where do I start on this one? Uh, there's a bit on Angus Crichton. Uh, it goes it goes so far back to me, more than just Angus Crichton re-signing with the Roosters, and it's what Guru touched on before with uh, the Rugby World Cup next year, I believe it is, and uh, you boys will be able to relate to me. And uh, over the last 20, 30 years since Rugby Union became professional, there's been ebbs and flows in when league's been big, bigger and when Rugby Union's been bigger. And uh, I know probably during the early to mid-2000s, Rugby Union probably it was around the 03 World Cup, hosted in Australia, Wallabies were in the final, and players were leaving Rugby League to go to Union. There was more money on offer. It made sense. And that's what I was sort of become accustomed to growing up, all these great Rugby League players going over to Rugby Union, and it was the norm. And nowadays the tide is turning and rugby league is having so much success rugby union and i've got nothing against rugby union at all i've played plenty of it myself along with league and i just am a rugby league purist and love to see rugby league succeed rugby league is doing really well rugby union not as well at the moment and guys like angus Crichton. Kalen Ponga, Joseph Suali'i, guys who have, whether they had a union background or they played a bit of union at school in wherever they went to school in year 11 and 12. And there's all these just murmurs of, you know, World Cup coming up. Are they going to leave for that? And I've never seen more players stay in the game and not convert to rugby union. And Angus Crichton is the latest one who I thought just, oh, the writing was on the wall. He's going to end up in union for the World Cup. And we've held on to him and I'm so, so happy about it. Oh, and you're totally right. And for a two-year deal, it wasn't like he, they, they held on with a six, you know, a massive five-year deal and, oh, okay, it's worth it then. It's a two-year deal. It's it's uh, amazing stuff. And so, well done to the Roosters. Now, on to uh, Paolo and Turpin. Um, look, I know Jackson struggled a bit at the end of the Rabbitohs, but, and, and you know, me and Guru, and you, I think yourself, Timmy, but me and Guru, especially at the start of the year, we, we were of the mind that, 
Jackson probably wasn't ready to play centre in first grade, um, and and we were pushed back quite a bit on the fact that he was getting selected. So this isn't coming from oh yeah, just be positive about everything. But guys, Jackson is young; he still can be a fantastic outside back. So because I've seen a lot of people go, oh, you know, why are we signing this kid or whatever? It's like we're talking about an extremely athletic, big player that when Wayne Bennett was at the club played really well. Um, I think this is a fantastic signing by the Roosters. And I think it's good for the Rabbitohs too because there clearly must have been some, something wasn't working there. Something wasn't working there. Um, and I, I think this is a good signing. I really do. Thoughts, boys? Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. He, oh, I think he plays his best footy when he's playing <laughs> on the right wing. Now, <clears throat> you've got Suwali in the team. I wonder if potentially this could be the opportunity to move Suwali over to left centre. Because me, me and Matty were talking about this the other day. The other thing is when you're playing right wing for the Roosters – and, and Kempi, you've spoken about this a heap, and I started to notice it more and more at the back end of the season. Joey Manu plays right centre, but he's roaming everywhere, and you want Joey Manu doing that. But it means that they, they play very little attacking footy down that mm. right edge. I think a lot of the times in, in the red zone, Suwali is wasted out on that edge because you've got Joey Manu floating in the middle, which you want. I mean, you, you look at the back end of this season, Drew Hutchinson was playing left centre for them. Love Hutcho, great player, not a left centre, let's be honest. If they're going to win a comp next year, they're going to need a strike left centre. I think the move of Suwali over to that side and then maybe Jackson Paul, if they can get the best out of him on on the right edge, I don't mind it. Yeah, I think the key the key point, and you said it, was if they get the best out of Paul. Yeah. And so it's kind of like if you can if you can just get Paulo in in a, a preseason work on his catching, his nerves, his, all of that kind of stuff. And you, and you say, mate, your only job is we, we don't need you to be a crazy finisher. We have all the strike power in the world. Your only job is, is to be a, a hit-up merchant and, and really safe under the high ball. If you can just nail those two things, like the, the, honestly, the most simple things in rugby league, especially like Paulo is not a small boy. He's a, he's a pretty big fella. So he can take the contact and he's proven that. If I'm the Roosters, I'm saying I, if, if this is all we need from you, and you'll be a Roosters winger. Boom, those two things, simple, um, and obviously defence, like you know. But I'm sure that, that that's part of rugby league. They're very basic things. To, to they're very, it's a, it's a very small ask to be an NRL winger to go, mate. We just need you to catch bombs and run the ball twenty times a game. Um, if they can do that, I think it's a good call. Right now, Jackson Paulo as a player. I don't think it's safe enough to put him on the wing uh, because Suwali'i offers so much. But I agree I, I agree with your point. If they get the best out of him, mm. it could be absolutely fantastic because you're right. They yeah. haven't seemed to settle on that left set, uh, is it left center, left center position. Yeah. They, they chopped and changed. I mean, Paul Momorowski seemed to be the guy, but then he started to struggle defensively. And then uh, Kevin Nangama came in for a little bit. But, I mean, he's about 34, 33, 34 now. Uh, you know, Drew Hutchinson obviously is a utility, a six, really. Uh, so if they can get all specialist outside backs, that looks really, really good for them. And I, So that's why I think it's a really shrewd signing. Timmy, what do you reckon? Yeah, if I know anything about the Roosters, uh, as far as that left-centre issue they're having, they'll sign Val Holmes by the time the season starts around, and that won't be an issue for them anymore. But uh, in the event that in the event that the Roosters don't, <laughs> yeah. the event that the Roosters don't sign him, there's not it, a winger is. holidaying in Europe that might be <laughs> set for a call-up. Is there? <laughs> yeah, well, good. Give me a call, uh, Trent. Give me a call, mate. 
Uh, I was actually just salivating over when Guru sort of said the left edge, if he did shift over, of having Kirill Walker there, Angus Crichton, Sueli, Daniel Tupu, and James Tedesco sweeping out the back. Holy dooly. Cool. With Joey Marner, who'd just find a way to be over there as well. Uh, I'm a bit with you, Kempier, and I know I was only a thought Guru, so not being critical, but Sueli offers so much more on the wing mm. uh, than I, I just. It's so funny. Senna used to be a far more important role in rugby league. Uh, than winger, but the tides are turning. Like, winger is... You're almost wasting a, a gun winger by putting him at centre for a big reason because of the yardage, and I'll talk about some of that a bit later on. But, yeah, look, a, a solid signing. I'm on the fence with him still a little bit. The the talent is there, but we've seen the upside to him. He has speed, he has strength, he has natural ability, uh, a lot of decision-making um, issues, a few errors in his game. But as you said, Campy, he's young. Like, give the kid time, all right? So we've yeah. seen his upside. Uh, he's in a great environment. He has been in a great environment the last couple of years. He now goes to Trent Robinson, who will get the best out of him and, and teach him the art of playing in the outside batch in rugby league. So, yeah, re- really solid signing. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, don't write the kid off. We're not <laughs> saying he's going to become the next bloody you know, whatever, but it's so young. We write people off so quickly in rugby league and that's part of the fun. It's all a bit of, you know, we're just chatting footies. So, uh, so yeah, look, I think it's good. No, like I, think, I think both sides of the argument, you know, like, you know, in defence of, you know, Guru's thought, uh, the Roosters have a knack of, of making players pretty bloody good, pretty bloody good. And so you take a young boy with a lot of talent, keen to get involved, who knows? Maybe he comes over and they go, wow, we need this kid on the wing uh, and put Suwaliti on the edge. And in just regards to that centre position, it is so bizarre how the centres used to be almost like the pin-up boys of rugby league. Like, these are our weapons, like Steve Renoff, Matt Cooper, um, uh, oh, my God, Gaznia. You know, uh, there's so many centres throughout the ages, that, like Greg Inglis for a period. Um Another little quick little point that I, I agree as well with Guru, when when you look at the fact that like Suali'i in good ball sets, like he's not even used. And we often compare him to a guy like Israel Folau. And Israel Folau, I'm pretty sure if I recall correctly, broke the Storm try-scoring record, I think twice in a row in his first two years. Oh. And that's because he had a system set up to give him crazy finishing opportunities. Um, now, look, this may be because Israel Folau was better that, that that could be an argument um but you could also argue maybe Suali'i isn't getting the same opportunities that israel is uh but yeah just i just wanted to quickly throw that in um uh any thoughts on that guru or oh yeah no and no, i just i think for me it comes back to as you said as i said if they get the best out of him mate i'm not going to bet against trent robinson not getting the best out of someone who has shown they've got ability there's no doubt about it if we would have done this podcast a year ago no one would have bagged jackson Paula. That's the reality of it. Yeah. He showed that he had ability in 2021. He didn't go that well in this season, but I, mate, I, I'm confident he, he can turn it around. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Okay, now, Jakey Turpin, another great signing. Another great signing. You know, I know the Brisbane fans are a bit, I guess, disheartened with Jake because he came on the scene and we were going, wow, this kid could, you know, maybe he could eventually play for Queensland. This is a pre-Harry Grant world. Uh, we're now living in post-Harry Grant world where shit is really arousing around the ruck, baby. Ooh, doesn't get much better seeing that boy. Just getting out, putting that on chest, getting in holes. I'm still talking about footy, boys. I'm still talking about footy. Uh, now, anyway, back to what was I saying? Oh, take Turpin, that's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Jake Turpin, I think it's a great signing. And I think that Brisbane Broncos, although I understand the last couple of years hasn't been for the breast for Jakey Turpin, and I agree he's, his uh, attack isn't um, inspiring sometimes. But I also think that a lot of unfair blame has been placed on him for how poorly the Broncos have been the last couple of years. It, ha- it, it hasn't been his fault. There's been plenty of players that have come in out of form. Even The crazy thing about the Broncos, aside from Payne Haas, even our best players have gone the tippity-top to terrible. So, you know, I wouldn't be – I would give Jakey a chance. And it sounds like, oh, you, now you, you're just giving everyone a chance. But I don't know. I think he's a good depth signing. I, I don't think he can have the same um, maybe bounce back that, say, a, a, a Jackson may have. Um, but I think he may be a good long-term 14 fill-in, you know, comes in when Cheese might have to play 13 if Radley's out. I mean <laughs> – Bradley might be out a lot. If, if, if the last few years ago, boy, he, the bloke, uh, he loves to get amongst it. Um, and so I think he could be a really handy squad pickup. So often we focus on the 17. Who's in the 17? Who's in the 17? Who's in the starting side? Premierships are won by squads of top 30 or top 35s. That's what premierships are won by. Look at the Melbourne Storm. Yes, they had the most amount of injuries. But... Unfortunately, we saw the first time ever, and look, they still came bloody fifth, but the first time ever where their 35 just didn't have the strength it had in re- previous years. Um, and so I think this is a great depth signing. Thoughts, boys? Yeah, no, I agree, mate. I, I th- you know, I, I think Turbin, his last few years have been a little bit up and down. I don't think it's all been his fault, as you said, Kempi. But, uh, yeah, for me, I think it's great to have him in this squad. Uh, I'm not sure if he's going to be in the 17. I don't think he will be, but... I mean, I think there'll be times throughout the year where they will have to call on him. There could be, you know, if Connor Watson's injured or something, I'd be shifting Jake Turpin straight into the 14 jersey. I think Brandon Smith's going to be the starting nine. Uh, Respectfully, I don't think Brandon Smith is going to be an 80-minute hooker. And I don't want him to be an 80-minute hooker, to be perfectly honest with you. I want to have a 14. Yeah, so I, I want to have Connor Watson. If you can't have Watson to have Jake Turpin, I mean, we think back to 2019 when they won the grand final. They had an 80-minute hooker in Jake Frenny was sensational. He got injured. They were able to turn to a Sam Verrills who scored the first try in that grand final. Do you remember that one, Canberra? Yeah. You recall it? Yeah. Straight up, um, mate. So yeah, it was worth Canberra. having. Was it yeah. Was Canberra? Yeah. The rookie, it was the rookie, the rookie nine, a beautiful moment. So the rookie nine comes on. Jakey Friends on the bench. And he has this incredible life-changing moment by scoring a try in a grand final. I think that's what happened. That's the one. Against Canberra, right? <laughs> I've, I've worked out that if I don't speak and Guru talks, the camera's on him. I just saw Maddie do the dirty little camera switch to me. Oh, that was good. The only thing I remember from that game was that Jack White won the Clive Churchill medal. Can't remember the result or what happened. Maddie, the dirty oh, old dog over there. <laughs> but, but a classic situation where it's worth having a second hooker in your squad to be able to have a guy to, to bring in. And Turpin, if he was to come in at some point, you know he'd do a job for the Roosters. Once again, he's coming in under Trent Robinson. I, I think he's going to improve out of sight at the Chooks as well. So I like the signing, mate. I think it's a belter of a signing, Timmy. Jake Turpin. I, I love it. I, I think you know, he probably said he might not, probably doesn't crack their starting 17. So they would have got him on not a lot of money. There wasn't, there was very little between Billy Walters, Corey Pax, and, and Turpin uh, this season for a starting or even bench nine role for Brisbane. But he was probably my pick of them. And Brisbane fans, I know, will probably say it differently, and he didn't have a terrific year, but it was very interrupted by injuries. And the difference is, at the Broncos, he was sitting there going into a spine that had, you know, they kept chopping and changing fullbacks between Tessie New and Tamari Martin, and uh, their 5'8s chopped and changed all season. The only sort of solid player there who, who was there the whole time was Adam Reynolds, who 
traditionally was more of a, an organising, get your team around the park style of halfback. So there was probably a bit more pressure on your nine to create, which Turpin can do, but probably not what he's more known for. He goes into a Roosters outfit, and like you bloke said, can slot in like a Sam Verrill's there where he doesn't have to be the creator. His spine is James Tedesco, Luke Keary, Sam Walker. There are points everywhere. They don't need him to run the ball. If he comes in and has to deputise for Brandon Smith for 20 or 30 minutes or if he's injured for even 80 minutes in games, he just has to distribute, give good service, know when to pass, know when to run. Uh, I think he'll slot in really well. And as I said, for, for getting him for, I assume, probably pretty little money, I think he's a great signing. Especially when you consider the money they would have played for Turpin or the money they would have had to have paid to keep Sam Verrills at the club. Mm, exactly. It's a bargain, realistically. Yeah, it's a great point, Timmy, because when you think about it, you almost don't want him to run it. It's like, bruh, we don't, we've got so much firepower. We got Joey Manu, we got, you know, we name, you name, the list is about 20 players long and there's only 17 on the field, which is really part of the Roosters' way. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's a great point, Timmy. He really will be just service, service, give us high, high quality service and make your tackles. Um, now on to Tyron Peachy and Charlie Staines. They do a swap deal. Uh, Tyron Peachy and Charlie Staines. This, I, I want to be honest, and this is respectfully to everyone. I don't, I don't really like this deal. I don't, I don't like it for Charlie. I, I think that I think he should have waited maybe another year and get and try to get to a club that, you know, maybe. Uh, I look, yeah, the Tigers are on the up. There's no denying. But as a winger, that's not a big boy that can just get through. Your, like he, he's really improved his game for sure, for sure. I, I feel like the pressure from Taylor May take, took his game to another level um, this year, uh, and I think that he went from a pure finisher to oh, okay, I've got to take fifteen to sixteen hit ups a game and make one hundred and fifty meters. But I, the, the concern I have is is that if you're not Mamalo or a, a or even a tail and may and Charlie Staines, no matter I mean, look, anything is possible. But in reality, his body is designed to be a freakish, great finisher. Very fast, good footwork, and can finish. And the concern I have, like for example, look at like they they loaned him out, but not for Loma. Look at him. He's been their their best winger that they've had pretty much in their whole club. What kind of winger is he? Yeah, he's a great finisher. But he fucking takes 20 million hit-ups and has 20 million tackle breaks a game. And that's because he has to create his own stuff because they're struggling. And so I, I actually I, – I wish Charlie Staines the best. I hope he goes absolutely kills it. But I actually don't like it, if I'm being honest. Um, and it's not, it's not a knock on Charlie. It's more saying, mate, I think you can actually – maybe find a, an opportunity that would suit you a little bit better. What do you reckon, Gura? Yeah, I agree, mate. And I think when he burst on the scene, what was it his debut? He scored five tries or something. Like, And I think everyone got very hyped like, yeah. on uh, what were they calling him, the, the Forbes Ferrari, I think it was. Everyone got very hyped on him and he was great, but he wasn't doing any work out of his own end. I, I, I had a lot of issues in his game. Then this year, as you said, the pressure from Taylor May, and I reckon also the pressure of knowing that Taruva was in re reserve grade, waiting to come up as well. I think that pushed him to a new level and, as soon as I was really impressed with Charlie Staines, respectfully, I can't believe he's gone to the Tigers. Just as he's at a, a team where he is very a very successful team and he's playing great footy, I agree with you, Kempi. I think if he would have been patient for another year and taken an opportunity when he could in first grade, I, I, I think he definitely could, could have got a contract elsewhere. I'm very surprised. Timmy? Yeah, another one I, I'm a little torn on at the moment because I can see it out Penny had a, a lot of different ways and Staines would have had to consider so much before this this deal because 
he's going from being a reserve NRL player to you would think a starting NRL player. Now that alone is like, gee, it's a big thing to turn down, isn't it? Like if if Taylor May. Uh, or Brian Toto don't get injured this in next season, I should say. And then you throw in Taruva as well, who potentially could come into the mix for for a wing spot next season. Like he might not play games of NRL next year, mm. as opposed to at the Tigers where he could play twenty five games of NRL in a Tiger side that yes they were poor this year, but there's a bit of promise there next season. Um, I can see why he's done it. I see what you boys are saying. If, if he gave it another year or a bit more time, there might have been bigger options to come up. Uh, I really only time will tell how it's going to pan out. As for the Tigers, my my concern is that I don't mind in the sense they've gotten rid of Peachy, who for whatever reason I don't care they didn't want to play him anyway. So they're getting at very worst some depth in the outside backs, but just size in their back three. Uh, they now have Mamalo, who's who's a good meat reader out of the back end of the field. Laurie, who's okay but not a big body and then Staines who yeah he made some decent meters this season but who wouldn't make meters in the back behind that Panthers side so are they going to be a bit light on out the back if that's their back three uh big interesting interesting watch ahead it's it's um the only reason I say it is because I made this mistake I made this mistake (laughs) I was at the Broncos I was before I like so I so basically I re-signed on massive unders Wayne Bennett promised me to start on the wing. I didn't start on the wing. Then someone got injured, got put on the wing, started playing first grade, played about three to four games, got identified quickly by the Warriors. And just as I started to really find my feet, I'd already agreed to terms verbally via my manager. Um, and so, like, I still could have pulled out of the deal because I'd never signed anything and I'd never even said to their face, yep, we're doing it, no handshake or whatever, but because it was my word or whatever. And it was all around the fact that now, look, I, the Warriors at that time were in a very different space to where the Tigers are. The Warriors, I think, they made the finals the year before. They were looking red hot. Um, so, granted, I had that in my favour. But, that, that you know, that will go down as, in, in regards to rugby league, like as in my career or whatever, a lot of people say, like, that was a big mistake, you know, and that's for the Warriors too. They could say it's a big mistake for the Warriors to assign me. And so that's why I, maybe, that's my personal bias with Stain saying, like, you know, you could argue that we're, we were a similar kind of player. We're, we're a very fast, good finisher that are never going to be a big, big meter eater. Um, you know, unless, you know, maybe he will be. I don't know. And so that's why I go, oh, man, I, I, maybe I see myself in him a little bit where I go, even though the diff- oh, it's a little bit different because by the end of the season, the Broncos, I was the best wing at the club. But, well, sorry, the starting, I was a starting wing at the club. But so he has a bit more pressure. Yeah, okay. Now I'm thinking about it. I, I see your point, Timmy. He probably has a little bit more pressure than, than I. Oh, but anyway, <laughs> just put just putting it out there. I'll, I'll, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go for a walk along the beach. I'm going to have a think about it. I'm going to come back, boys, in about an hour, maybe two. We'll see how it goes. I'm in your beer time, baby. We'll listen to more. Uh, and then I'll let you know my thoughts on the whole situation. That was Ken and Demp <laughs> um, and Den and Kemp having a conversation there. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, they're, they're my thoughts. Look. To, to cap it off, I personally I thought he should have just waited maybe another year and and maybe go and because like there's plenty of really good clubs that are like not really good but really solid clubs that you know they may get a winger retire or or one of their superstar wingers that they, that's on 
low, like on a small contract, gets a big contract somewhere else. And then Charlie Staines is the perfect guy because he's not on Bitcoin, but he's a great finisher. So, look, I, I would have liked to see it wait a little bit, but I totally understand why he did it. You don't want to be sitting in reserve grade when you think you're a first grader. And I would say he's a first grade player. I, I would say at the moment, like not, not a 300-game veteran yet, obviously, obviously. But I, I would say he has the skill set and has proven he can mix it in first grade. So I can understand where he's coming from. I just, I just, yeah. Now, Tyron Peachy to the the, the, the Panthers. Oh, like, congratulations to Tyron and, and, and the, the Tigers weren't using him anyway. But, I yeah, look, a bit of depth, I guess, coming off the bench maybe as a 14. Uh, what are you boys? But, like, look, they've got Sonny Luke. They've got Mitch Kenny. Is he more of a depth signing, you think? I think so. I can't fit him in my 17 at the moment. Um, like, you've obviously, the other role he could play is sort of that 17 jersey, but I think Salmon's done such a good job there that I don't think that they'll be moving him. So I don't have, I've had a lot of people say to me that he'll walk into the team. I, no. I personally don't think he will. I don't think there's a chance he's in the in the 17 for round one. We're talking, how, how, we're talking the back to back premiers. The Tigers weren't playing him. Yeah, 100%. Like, and that may not have been his fault, but like, Come on. But but it also, like, when the Tigers weren't playing him, I wasn't sitting there going, oh, why aren't they playing him? Like, I, I understood it. He hasn't played great footy this year. I mean, he's like, we still don't know what position Tyrone Peachy plays, realistically, which is unbelievable that he's got this far through his career and they no, no club has been able to settle on a position for him. And dare I say, I, I think he's, if you do see him at Penrith, it's going to be the same situation. He's going to be a Band-Aid spot in a, wherever they need. And he'll, I think he'll probably do a, a good job of it if they can get him back to his best. Um, but the Tyron Peach we've seen the last few years and what we know he can do, there's a <coughs> decent gap between at the moment, unfortunately. Timmy? Yeah, another one that I don't mind. I think both clubs have, and I think both players have got good deals out of this. Uh, realistically, he probably doesn't play around one in the 17 unless he has a massive off-season and kills in the trials. But at the end of the day, this is a bloke who's played State of Origin not that long ago. He's He offers that Penrith style of play in being... They love having uh, versatile like utilities on the bench that can cover numerous positions. He can be that ball-playing lock if Isaiah Yeo's injured or if needed to be or for a certain amount of time. He's got a good passing game on him. As you said, Guru, it's been a long time since we've seen, you know, a, a top echelon NRL quality footballer out of Tyrone Peachy. But Ivan Cleary's clearly believes that he can get somewhere near that out of uh, Tyrone Peachy. And if he can get, again, I always think of money in these deals and think, oh, you know, why, why this signing? But... He'd be on bugger all money there. If you can get him back to any remnant of what he's been in the past, even half of that, uh, I think he can serve a, a fair purpose for them off the bench. Yeah, I, I, to be clear, this is great for Tyron. This peachy. This mm. is fucking heaven. You might win a premiership in the last year of your, two years of your career. Like, who's, who's, is anyone honestly sitting here saying that Penrith aren't favourites to win the comp next year? Like, no. Nah. They, 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 at the moment. And this bloke has just walked into the squad. It is going to be interesting, though, because, you know, you talk about money, and, and you're right, it, uh, Timmy, absolutely. Money is important, and how much did you get him for, and what can he offer, and if you can get him to his best. But there's another, like, kind of factor that some, you know, I know you guys think about it, but maybe just the casual fan, it's squad positions, and you can only have a certain amount of squad positions. And I wonder, like, a very hard balancing act, maybe losing a younger guy that can't get that spot because he's not in the top 25 or the top 30 and saying, oh, sorry, mate, we can only pay you this amount of wage because basically the way it works is you've got your top 25 and then you've got your, um, your basically your salary cap. Then you've got another cap for like 25 to like, I think it's like 30, 
two or whatever. Now, this may have changed over the last few years, but that's the broad gist of it. And sometimes a lot of your young guns that could squeeze into that 25 to 32 positions, when you lose one of that, because I don't think he'd be in there. Top, he's not, I, I would be very confident to say Tyron Peachy did not sign on a top 25 contract. I think he'd be in the top 30. Because um, when you think about that top 25 squad, think about how hectic it is. Anyway, um, so I wonder like, who got squeezed out of that or did they manage to because they're such a strong club? Say, we've got you outside of the top 35, but you're still tr- training with the first grade squad and we're, we've got you on like 30 grand a year or whatever. So that's the balancing act between bang for buck and losing a top squad spot for a young guy that could be, could be anything as, as Guru hates to say. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that, that, well, that was refreshing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um I mean, talk about kettle black. I say probably just as much. Um, so yeah, any any final? What are your thoughts on that, Timmy? Just to, with the little pushback on the the value thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure, mate. I, I see where you're coming from, and, and I'm looking at at the positives in the switch for probably more the players, but the squads as such. It it's a really one that I just think time will tell. I think there's upside for both players for both squads, so I I, I still like it. Yeah, it's it's the thing is is it all hinges on if we get even eighty percent of peak Tyrone, it's it could be the literally this is going to sound hyperbolic. It literally could be the signing of the year if because when you think about it, you go um, they got him on absolute minimum, and if he comes out and plays as good as Tyrone can play, you go on. We got we got a one of the game's biggest game breakers because you have to he was the one of the game's biggest game breakers like when Anthony Griffin was coaching the Panthers the amount of times he won them games purely off absolute the, the like, like there was nothing on if you can get that for minimum plus all the experience then it's it's one of the great signings I don't even think um, hyperbolic Kempi I think like it's it's being ambitious but it, it really could be it, 80% yeah. and it could be the signing of the year I know that Timmy thinks I'm trying to dangerous. G him up, but there was a game against Canberra. Was that in Goulburn, was it? I think it was something. He scored two tries <laughs> in the last three minutes or something to win that game out of nowhere for Penrith. It was against Canberra, wasn't it? Oh, fair chance. I'm pretty sure it was, yeah. And he just, <laughs> out of absolutely nothing, playing centre, but just roaming around through the middle. Um, I don't know, he's got things that you can't coach, Peach, and... As we keep saying, if they do get the absolute best out of him, it I could do be a remember cracker. the game. I feel like it was Canberra Stadium. Let yeah. me do some research. Yeah, but he's, he's just got something. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, look, really interesting. And and you know, it's like, you know, we sit here and, and we we you know give our commentary and up an opinion. You know, sometimes we forget these are very smart people with a lot of stats, a lot of information making these decisions. These aren't just like watch a few games and go, oh, Tyron used to play a bit of good footy. Uh, these are people that are deep diving deep into their average this or the average that or minutes or, you know, it's so many systems that we don't even know about. So we've been proven wrong many a time before. So maybe this is a great swap and both players uh, benefit hugely, like massively from it. Uh, now, just quickly on the Raiders, this is going to get you uh, up and about, Timmy. Oh. Josh Miller, the great Josh Miller has been appointed as Raiders. And I love this name because I haven't heard this name before. I've heard defensive coaches. I've heard attacking coaches. <clears throat> Whoever was working in the Raiders PR game, come and speak to me because you need a bit of you, you need a bit of love for how good your your PR is. The name of his role is contact coach. <laughs> if that doesn't scream aggressive dominance arousal, I'm not here. If anyone remembers Josh Miller, they'll remember. Arguably, like I, he is one of the toughest players I ever played with. Seriously. Um, Fuck, 
what a great pickup. What a great pickup. They now have Michael Maguire, Ricky Stewart, and Josh Miller as their contact coach. And apologies if I've, there's other staff that I haven't mentioned. Two things. If you're a young playing player going there, you want to be ready mentally. You want to be ready mentally. Ricky Stewart, Maguire, Joshy Miller, these are some of the hardest men in rugby league. But if they can get a squad that can react the, the correct way to these just absolute tough men, we're talking about old school, gritty, aggressive, dominant Raiders where you go down to Canberra, it's cold as shit. You run out and you're usually running out and you're, kid, you're looking all mad, you're fit as anything, you're fucking strutting in Canberra, you're around, you've got a tracksuit on because it's so cold and you're just going, just get me out of here, get me out of here. And then you take your first hit up, you're like, oh, I'm still cold, I'm still cold. If you've got to deal with that with a squad that has those three blokes in it, fucking turn her up, baby. Timmy, what do you think? Yeah, I've heard a bit of talk down there since uh, Joshy Miller signed on, the hardest bloke to ever play rugby league. Uh, if there are any corners cut, any protocols broken, you're doing a California and you don't get both feet over the line, you're doing Malcolm's and you don't drop your chest that hits the grass, at the end of the session you have to run at Josh Miller for an hour straight. Just hit up <laughs> right. after hit up after hit up. Put, put it this way, the Raiders boys won't be cutting corners next year, so you, you look... Oh, geez, we're going to be hard, hard come round one, aren't we? Oh man, it's it, it's <clears> such. It, I absolutely love it, especially with the Maguire signing. Just a quick little story, Timmy, you might enjoy. So, I, so I was coming through the ranks, and at, at the time, I didn't realise I was being tested. Didn't realise it. Anyway, we'd done a full preseason. This is this is '06. I'm pretty sure. So I hadn't played NRL yet. '06, we won the comp, obviously. Um, well, not. I mean, we. I was a part of the squad, but like you know, it's like. I help Pat. Um, anyway, so we've done a preseason, and I, I am so green to rugby league, like just working on pure, I don't know, just whatever. We get through the whole pre, like get through the whole session. It's a long, arduous session. We're all walking off, and we're stuck. Yeah, boys, fuck, got the beers on now. It's a Saturday or whatever. We're, we're finished for the week. Then I hear this, hey, Dylan, it's Wayne. I'm like, hey mate, yep. He's like, come here. I'm like, ah, oh. yeah, sweet, run over. He's like. I need to do some uh, tackling with uh, Webke. I was like, sorry? He was like, oh, Webke needs uh, someone to tackle. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, sweet, sweet. And so it was in a 10-meter drill. So, like, it's basically a 10-meter space where he has to tackle me. <laughs> anyway, so, I'm, I'm, so I've got to pull my pants. Just pull my pants. Just pull my pants. I'm going, oh, God, Shane Webke, holy heckers. So I walk, so we walk past each other as I'm going to the other end and he's walking to me. As he walks past me, he goes, mate, if you fucking step, I'll kill you. <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh. because before that I was going, this is a piece of work. I mean, you'll yeah, kill Shane, me, if, you, you'll baby, kill me but... if I don't step, mate. What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> and so I was going like, because it was a 10 meter drill. I was like, this is my bread and butter. Like, this is what I do. Like, this is great for me. I'm just going to step this forward and it'd be sweet. And he knew that, obviously. And there, I proceeded to get absolutely pounded into the core of the earth by Shane Webke. And uh, it made me realize I was not a man yet. I was just a young boy finding my way in the world. Um, sorry for the tangent, boys. Apologies if that was a shit story. But uh, let's get back to it. Guru, thoughts on the Raiders, Joshy Miller? I like it, mate. And I was, I was thinking earlier today, like, can you imagine after, you know, after a Canberra Raiders loss, dealing with Miller, Michael Maguire, 
They'll be begging for Ricky Noble before they know it, I reckon. Oh. It were, It's it, one hell of a trio. I'd be petrified going in at halftime after a poor half. Alan Tung and Sean Fenson still poking around the capital <laughs> as well. They might get them in for a few sessions, and oh. then they own strife. It's one hell of a trio. Like As you said, like I just think their standards are going to be through the roof, without a doubt. And you know, Obviously, Madge, he's copped a, a fair whack over the years and stuff, but... I think whenever I go and have a look at you know social media and whatnot, the Kiwis seem to be having the time of their life with Madge at the moment. He seems to have a really good squad there, and I've, I've heard a lot of good things coming out of that Kiwi squad as well. So um, I think the assistant role for Madge will be fantastic, and getting Miller in anywhere. What, what, what was it, the contact coach? The contact coach. That's like when, uh, the- when, when Brad Fittler retired and Ricky Stewart was the coach of the Roosters and they made Freddie the kicking coach. <laughs> you got Ricky Stewart as the coach. Do you need a kicking coach? Are you for real? Oh, mate, but, like, I love the specific nature of it. Not defensive coach. No, he's not there to help defence. He's there to help people make large contact with other human beings. (laughs) Um, And if you go and watch his highlights, that's exactly what he did. And also, just on a personal note, I I know Joshy Miller really, really well. He's an absolute legend of the bloke. Do not let the scary exterior fool you in the sense of, like, that he's some kind of maniac bloke off the field. He is one of the most nicest, loyal honest blokes you will ever meet in your life. And I tell you what, if you're having a good old Larry Emder, Joshy Miller's the number one call. <laughs> if you want to have a few fucking beers and just get really, really into your mess, into your work, uh, Joshy Miller's the man you call. He is unbelievable on the beer. So um, now, look, I have to be honest, though. There are some, there are some potential negatives with this entire coaching staff. Now, I'm sure they're going to balance this out. And, I, and, and again, this is not the whole coaching staff. And I apologize if there are people in this staff that I don't, aren't aware of. But I do believe in the current generation of player, you do need to have some softening forces in a coaching staff. Back in the day, this coaching staff would have been fucking perfect. You could have just said, boom, going to be sweet. People have changed. Young men have changed. Uh, young people have changed. They, there's a different way to communicate. And that's not me sitting there going, oh, you know, they're so this or they're so soft or whatever. No, no, people, everything changes. Everything changes. Um, so that's one thing that I would be conscious of if I was a part of the coaching staff uh, at, at the Raiders. And look, who am I to give anyone fucking a, an opinion on coaching? I'm, I'm a fucking nobody compared to these guys. Just my thoughts on the situation. I do need, I do think they need a, a little softening touch to help the younger guys that, that may be still trying to become men. Because sometimes that transition, you lose some guys that just needed a softer hand to get them to where they needed to be. Um, thoughts on that That little, uh, I guess, opinion, Guru? Yeah, I don't disagree with you, mate. I think it obviously is a pretty uh, delicate balance that I think it's been pretty evident in Canberra over the last few years too that that balance is important. We've seen a lot of things go wrong on and off the field that potentially <coughs> haven't been handled overly well. So I agree with you, mate. That will be uh, a, a huge test for them. And it is, you know, the game is just so different to what it's ever been off the field as far as coaching and your relationships with players and everything. So, mate, I completely agree. It will be a massive challenge for them. Timmy, what do you, you know more about? You probably know more about the coaching staff. Is is that a concern for you at all, or do you reckon no? Nah, they know what they're doing. Well, mate, you look at hard nosed. You've got Ricky Stewart, who's one of the most hard nosed coaches in the NRL. Michael Maguire, who has a reputation for being hard nosed as well. Now, imagine his consultancy role. I, I don't think it's going to be, and I, I may be wrong, but I think it's going to be a super hands on sort of role. Week in, week out. He'll be a, a consultant to Ricky Stewart and help out around the club. But 
you've got a lot of tough units around that. And, and as you said, Kempi, it's, it's such a fine line, isn't it, these days? And it'd be hard yard to be an NRL coach, particularly someone like Ricky Stewart, an ex-player who came up during such a tough era of rugby league where, you know, blokes getting slapped on the face by Tommy Rodonikus before they go out into battle and anyone who was the slightest bit soft just get thrown out the back door to have to... And it, it's the sign of a good coach these days. Having that experience in the game but being able to adjust to the modern-day game and treat some of the softer players, call a spade a spade, uh, without pissing them off too much. So, um, look, Ricky's been in the game a long time. Uh, as you said... Josh Miller is tough as nails, but he's also one of the nicest blokes in the game. So he'll come in. The current crop of players, they'll appreciate that. Uh, he's not the kind of bloke that's going to get him offside, but he's the kind of bloke that the players will respect. So I think he's, he's yep. a wonderful signing, and I think this coaching staff can gel nicely. It could be the making of Hudson Young just quietly. He's the one that I look at and go, he's going to love this. He is going to eat this oh, up. Mate, absolutely. Um, you know, that, that was just more my... Um, you know, have to speak. You can't just be all like, "Oh, this is great; mm. it's going to be perfect." But overall, I think this is fantastic, and I think the Raiders. I mean, we spoke about it all year. Such an incredible job to turn it around because it was a shambles here for a period there where you're going, "Mate, this club could explode and be sitting 14th or 15th if this keeps going." Or maybe even spoon. That's how bad it was going at one stage. Like, what was it? Two from seven. All this shit coming out of the club, and what's crazy is we're talking about the Raiders here, where. Them to get news like they they get so left out of the news cycle because they're in the ACT. So for things to be getting out in the news cycle, things got got to be there's got to be tension there for them to have all pulled it around and be in the position they are in. It's such I just got to give such credit to the playing group, the coaching staff, the admin, and the club. Mate, he loves playing the victim over here. Timmy, he was loving that, mate. Sitting here like a Cheshire cat, talking about how Canberra's... <laughs> Very nice little turnaround there, boys. Good save. <laughs> um, okay, now, um, on to the Rugby League World Cup game. Let's get the disclaimer out of the way, boys. Yes, we know that the people they were playing aren't the highest quality. We understand that. That's why we're going to not even... We're not even going to analyse the games. We're just going to stop the podcast right now because every every person every person that's going to say, "Oh yeah, but they'll play in Scotland." So you're right. That's it's actually you know being higher. We're all high up in the media. I mean, high up in the media. There's actually been a memo set out saying, "Guys, because they played teams that aren't of the highest quality, we're not going to analyse the game for a week." So thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. <laughs> um, no, all jokes aside, guys, we understand that the, the standard wasn't good. Also, I just want to give a, a, a massive shout-out to these lower-tier nations that aren't full-time players and they don't have the resources that Australia have. Obviously, it's an Australian league that's big, but you know, all these lower-tier nations, some of the efforts by some of these players when they're like 30 down, 40 down, 50 down, are honestly nothing short of inspirational. Seriously, and that, I'm not being hyperbolic. Like A specific one, Samoa, I think they might have been up seriously by 60 points. I'm like literally by 60 points. And there was a tackle by Johnny Mitzias, his name was Johnny Johnny Mitzias. Yes, Johnny Mitzias. Yeah. On Matt Fagai, Fainai. Um was was like as courageous as any tackle you'll ever see. It's not hyperbolic. Go and watch it. Matter of fact, you could argue it's more courageous because this bloke hadn't like why? What's the point? You're down by 60. You can't win it. But the point is, you're there for your mates and you've got a job to do. 
it's just in, this guy's not even a full-time player. He's just there having a good time, representing his country. So Greek fans, I'm you know, that's something to be proud of. You know, they know it's to be proud of, but that's inspirational. Like that really is inspirational. Um, there's there was plenty other moments in other games uh, where I saw the lower tier nations, and this is not lip service, guys. It really isn't. Like I, if I thought they all just went to water and didn't have a crack, I w- I'd just be like, you know. I, I, you know, I've been a professional athlete. I'm not going to be, give someone lip service because they've got on a field. Who gives a shit about that? You're there to get the job done, um, and you don't go to water anyway. There were plenty of other times. Tonga versus Wales for them to only lose 32-6. Yeah, Tonga didn't play that well, but we're talking about Tonga here, absolute beasts of a team, and Wales scored the scored the first try, scored the first try by a big shot on Talakai from the uh, from a guy that a year ago. Hadn't played rugby league before. Now, now, think about what I just said there. Talakai, the guy that had one of the best halves of footy we've ever seen from a centre, got hit so hard that he dropped the ball that he was trying to about to pass. And the guy that did it, I'm pretty sure, Elliot Keir, maybe? Oh, no. No, sorry, Kyle Evans. Yeah, Kyle Evans. He only was. started playing rugby. Yeah, Kyle Evans. He only started playing rugby a year ago. So there's plenty of these other – you could go through every game and you could find these these moments where you go, you know what, like, yeah, okay, rugby league is about winning, but it's also about that. It's yeah. those little moments where you go, the the underdog. I mean, that's why Australia, in my opinion, loves rugby league so much because it's about the underdog. It's about the fucking guy with the grit that's willing to go that extra mile for his mates beside him and for the jerseys he's representing. Um, so I just wanted to give a shout-out to the lower-tier nations. Like, you know, everyone's talking, oh, it's a blowout and this is this, that and that. I think let's appreciate these guys. We're talking. I can't express to you enough, guys. These athletes are finely tuned within an inch of their life. These these uh, first graders, and I don't think it, unless you've ever like, um, just say a normal person, even a normal person that goes to the gym, just goes to the gym and, he, and he's relatively fit. If you just sent him in to feel the power of these guys, you would go, oh my! These you'd almost think they were unhuman, inhuman. It, 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 that's how finely tuned these athletes are um if you put it this way this is these guys if you're under six foot as a nrl player you are small you are small anything under 90 kilos is tiny these days um and the game hasn't gotten slower it's gotten faster so i just want to give a quick shout out any just quick thoughts on that boys before we get to the results and all that yeah there was also uh jamaica they scored their first ever try in a rugby league world cup which was unreal in the moment we all talked about like for those that are up at 5 30 a.m watching that game jamaica kicked off they won the ball back off the kickoff and they forced a repeat set. Unbelievable against the New Zealand Kiwis. For Jamaica to do that, I thought that was unreal. And of course, as soon as New Zealand got the ball, the points started to come on. But I thought that first set was fantastic. To, to force a repeat set against the Kiwis when you kick off on the first set, I thought that was incredible and great to see. And then you had the try they scored. I think it was Ben Jones Bishop. Mm. I think it's actually his 300th first-class game. And yeah. for him to score the first ever try for Jamaica, uh, unreal. Great stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Timmy, anything that you saw that you were like, like, how good? The the World Cup's full of them. And these, like, Australia are playing a Scotland or one of these one, one-sided games. You know it's going to be a blowout, but that's not the point of it. Like, it's the point that you're getting these minnow rugby league nations and they're on the world stage and they're getting these opportunities. And, and the Ben Jones-Bishop one was on. I was actually going to allude to uh, Guru. I've seen a fair bit of Jones-Bishop play during his time at Wakefield and followed... Um, 
that he's been all over the shop, James. He's a bit of a journeyman, but really, really good footballer. Uh, reportedly one of the nicest blokes on the planet. Then he scores. Was it Jamaica's first ever try? They, yep. Their first points in round one, their first try in round two. And to see the whole team just go absolutely nuts. I'm like, yeah, sweet, they got belted. But that's like, that is such a beautiful moment we got out of that game of football. And don't worry about the result. We get moments like this. Enjoy them. Yeah, I, I agree. And you know what I, I respect more is is not the man that gets, you know, what I don't respect more is not the man that gets beaten by absolutely towed up. I respect the man less that doesn't even try. It, it takes courage to step on that field and go, you know what? We have no chance, but we're going to have a fucking crack. I got, got another one for you. Sorry, Kempi, keep going, yeah, mate. No, I was just going to say, like, whereas the guy that's like, oh, yeah, we're just going to get smashed anyway. What's the even point of this? You, you're you are you are not the man in the arena, and you never will be, unfortunately. But mm. my, my one of my absolute favourites, and I've got notes from all through the week of, of games of footy and that, and this one was from a while ago now. But uh, probably my new favourite player in world footy, the big boy from Wales, Anthony Walker, yes. the big bopper. Yes. Now, just a few a few not notes that I jotted down. A true rugby league journeyman. He scored on his international debut in the 2013 World Cup. He was born with a potentially fatal brain condition, which was then diagnosed days before the 2017 World Cup. He retired for three years, was given the all-clear to return in April 2020. That brain condition affects one in 250,000 people. The first person he called after he came out of that meeting with his doctor was the Welsh coach John Keir, who's currently the Welsh coach, to apologise that he couldn't play for his country in the tournament. <laughs> and then to see him absolutely steaming onto it on the weekend was just like, that is why we love the Rugby League World Cup and Rugby League. What a champion. That's unreal. Oh, that is that is fucking music to my ears. As I said, Rugby League's about the battle of baby and that represents, that, that truly represents what Rugby League's about. And I love, like, he's a big fella, but he's late footwork at the line. Oh. What a great story. Hey, Kempi, Absolutely incredible. Campy, here's his, here's his uh, resume. 2013-14, signed with St. Helens. Obviously, over in the UK, they have these loan deals like we saw, saw with Harry Grant between the Tigers and Storm. 2013, was loaned to Whitehaven. 2014, loaned to Rockdale Hornets. Same season, loaned to Whitehaven. 2014, also loaned again to the Rockdale Hornets. 2014-17, to 17, signed with Wakefield Trinity, played 17 games. In that period, 2016, loaned to Whitehaven. 2017, loaned to the Jewsby Rams. 2017, loaned back to the Rockdale Hornets. 2021, 22, Bradford Bulls. 2023, he signed on with the Witness Vikings. <laughs> the man. <laughs> Mate, the battler. How good is that? Yeah. I mean, that's, a, that is, like, that's the heart of rugby league. These blokes just <laughs> love it. They love it. Well, that's incredible. What a story. What a fucking story. Um, now, let's get into the games. Australia versus Scotland. 84 nil. Uh Look, I, I feel a bit sorry for DCE because not only did he play a tougher opponent, but also it was the first week they were together. And Australia didn't play Paul at all by any means, but only naturally are they going to be less cohesive. But in saying that, this is Nathan Cleary's team, in my opinion. This really is. And it's no dis- like, there's no disrespect for DCE. I, I, I honestly, I think he's incredible, but this is Nathan Cleary's team. The feel, the vibe, everything. And I know it was against lesser opponent, but just looking at the way they played, looking at the ruthlessness, looking at the connectivity that they had, uh, this is this is Nathan Cleary's team. 
that's just in my opinion it's just that um it's it's his time nathan cleary we are heading into uh, you know basically the start of a similar-ish joey john's career obviously i'm not saying he will be joey john's but i mean when you look at his stats they start to line up pretty scary and a Guru, I'll give you the honour, mate, because I know you you put up the post of the, the incredible stat. I won't rob you of that glorious moment you're about to have. Don't don't get too aroused, but tell me the stat that you have on this. I would love to claim it, but I think it was Roasty, to be fair. So I'll let him have oh, his three hours there. I think it was Roasty. We do look right. alike, so fair play. Wait. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait. Well, Roasty, this is all you, baby. So sit back, <laughs> enjoy it. It's a great stat. And I tell you what, when I come scrolling through my feed, whew, didn't feel any better my whole life. Yeah, I think it's what was it on debut the most points for the Kangaroos and Joey held the record with thirty and Nate had twenty eight and uh, you got to remember too in the opening minute he got denied a try which I thought was fifty fifty to be honest with you and then Cam Munster he threw a pass to him that was called forward so Nate could have smashed it out of the park realistically and he did hit a few goals pretty poorly mm. which is very un Nate as well so mate I must consider him unlucky not to have got that record. And, and also, people are going, I know, that, I know there's people listening, they're going, oh, that was probably against New Zealand or something. It was against South Africa, Joey. And yeah. so, South Africa, Scotland, I would probably say Scotland's a better footy side than South Africa. Um, so, all I'm saying is, just hold your horses. I'm not saying he's Joey Johns. But it is, it is becoming undeniable that what this guy is achieving at his age, he's achieving the same as the greats. And it's just that simple. It's just that simple. I can already read the comments, Kempi. I can see them. They're coming in. They're flying. I know they're flying in. I get it. I, and look, I'm not. I'm not happy. I'd be devastated if he has the rest. If the rest of his career he doesn't live up to the greats, then he's not a great. That, that's, it's that simple. And he still needs, in my opinion, to have an Origin series where he is the man that dominates, kind of like a, a Munster situation. Um, but it's un, it's undeniable. You, you, it, there's no legitimate argument in my, my mind that you can't say from him being 18 to 24, that he is not at least close to or in par with some of the best the game has ever seen. Timmy, am I getting ahead of myself or what? No, nah, mate. You, you know that I'm firmly in the Cleary camp on this one. And uh, at the same time, you know, Daly Trevin, if he's there, probably does a, a similar sort of performance and probably racks up five or six tries. But at the same time, look, yes, Cleary came in and probably should have did um, perform like he did. But he did. Like, like what more has he got to do? He, he couldn't have done any more in the game. He was absolutely perfect in everything he did. He racked up, what was it, 28 points or something. It's like, it, it's such an absurd amount of points and it's soft drop position. Oh, of course he came in and did that, but he's still got to do it. Don't <laughs> like, I don't yeah, know what like, to say. That's the thing. Like, so much can go wrong. Like, it was 84 nil. Like, for example, let's say they, let's say, um, just my internet going here. Sorry, guys, just... Uh, so let's they completed at 84%. You're going out to play uh, Scotland. We've all been guilty of it. You roll out, you go, boys, honestly, we could seriously drop the ball every time we get it in the first half. Matter of fact, the first 60 minutes, and we'd still win the game. Matter, we, matter of fact, we could do it probably for 70 minutes and just defend our asses off and still win the game. So it, it's he didn't just do it. He did it to the exact degree in which he would do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not just yeah. like, oh, yeah, he went out and played solidly. It's like, no, no, he truly showed 
everything had the difference in in scale. It was a record, essentially a record margin of beating someone. And as I said, I feel a bit sorry for DC because he was not intentionally, but it was a, it's a tougher gig. You, you get the first game and then the bloke gets the second game against a lesser opponent. It's almost like, well, I can't win. Like, I, how do I win? Now, I do think, I do think that they'll go DC Munster this next game. Um or potentially even DC Cleary, but I think probably DC Munster. I personally, like just to give DC a fair, fair crack at it, which I respect that. You have to respect the veterans that have been there and done it, and he had an incredible origin series. But me personally, I, if, um, if my goal is to win the World Cup, we know DC can win the World Cup. You know, if, if someone gets injured, we know that. He, it's, it's, it's simple. But if I'm, if I'm wanting to increase my likelihood by the most amount, I'm putting Cleary and Munster together as much as possible yeah. heading into the World Cup final. Yeah. What do you guys think? Yeah, it, it is unfortunate for Ches how it has sort of played out, though, that as soon as your Cooper Cronks and everyone retires, COVID hits and we don't play international footy for three yeah. years. In that time, Cleary becomes the guy. So I do feel I, like I'm picking Cleary every day of the week that finishes him wide. There's no doubt about that. But I do feel a little bit sorry for Ches that he did spend so much time being a 14 and not being in the team at all. Then eventually his time comes and, you know, obviously there's much worse things that have happened in the world, don't get me wrong. But it is unfortunate timing for him that now the reality is it's Cleary's time. And, mate, I, I, I think Ches, he'll be disappointed. But I think he'll understand that. Yeah, he's the ultimate professional. I, I, I do feel sorry for him because you're right. If the, everything had gone smoothly last few smoothly the last few years, DC would have had a a run of the Australian jersey and and showing what he can do in the Australian jersey. So, uh, no, I mean, look, who knows? Maybe he fights his way on the side. It's, it seems like Mal Meninger is holding his cards close to his chest. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. There, there just seemed to be a vibe of like. Because the interesting thing is, because I see that I was going, okay, who who is really in DCE's generation now in that Australian side? I, I'm trying to think, like even RCG is is a bit younger. Like that, there's not really guys that that came through with with him. If you know what I mean, mm. they're all kind of again. Correct me if I'm wrong, Timmy or Guru. You can have a look at the team list, but I'm looking at it now, and I and I really feel like when you look at this list. A lot of these guys are Cleary generation guys to a degree. Um, I know that some of them obviously around when DCE was it, but like the bulk, of, well, not the bulk, but a lot of their footy, these players have played. Cleary has been the best seven in the game, or at least for like a substantial enough time where even if they're playing against Cleary, Cleary is considered the best in the game. And I think there may have been a, maybe there's a little reaction to that. I, I'm not sure. What do you reckon, Guru? Well, like, when you have a look at the the last World Cup that we went to, um, 2017, and I'm not sure why Ches wasn't in that squad or I'm not sure what the context was at the time, but there's only four guys left from that World Cup. Ben Hunt, RCG, Cam Munster, and Val Holmes. That's it. So it definitely is yeah, yeah. a younger squad that is definitely more in the, uh, in, in the Nathan Cleary sort of generation. And, uh, mate, it is what it is. Timing is what it is. Uh, Father Time remains undefeated. It's Nathan Cleary, Tom. Yeah, it really is. Um, it's also Buller Fox, Josh Adokar. Now, we have to talk about it. When I saw those deadly curry legs flying down there, there's, there's no more beautiful sight. There's no more beautiful sight. And I'll tell you what, there's no more faster legs in the world than deadly curry or Murray legs. I'm telling you that right now. Absolutely explosive. What about how beautiful it is? I was picturing Steve Renoff just gliding down the field as the fox just swerving some of the stuff he has done this 
World Cup has been amazing. Star of our game. What a star he has! The persona. He's got the. He's got the swagger. He's got the ability. He's got the 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 mental toughness. He has everything you would want from a winger. Flashy, strong. Fast. It's it is just a smart footy player. I almost underestimated how smart he is on a footy field. Um, I ha- like it, it. It feels unfair to say this because it's such a hindsight thing. I will say, in all of our defences, we did say that Josh Adokar would have, should have been in the blue side. But if you ever needed confirmation that the Blues needed a guy like Foxy in the squad. And this is no disrespect to any other winger. We, we sing the praises of Tupo and To'o, honestly, to the to the nth degree. You guys know that. But Josh Adokar has to be in the Blue squad next year. There is, I, If this World Cup proved anything, it's that that decision was probably the wrong thing. Am I being too hyperbolic here or what? I agree with you, but I think it's going to be very interesting come Origin next year. If Suwali'i kicks on the way we're anticipating he will, I I reckon it is going to be close because you've got Tyo who can play left or right. I wouldn't be surprised if they move him over to get Suwali'i into the side. Brad Fittler has shown his cards. He had Suwali'i in the squad this year. He's got him in the plans. I'm worried that Josh Adokar, once again, timing, he could be very, very unlucky here. Oh, it's it's the energy though. It's the it's the 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 in camp folklore stuff that you hear about in ten to twenty years. That's what Fox brings. On top of, he breaks games open with incredible finishes. And so I agree with you in the sense that there will be an argument for Tupo and Suwali'i to go because we we all understand fitless thinking. Like we all understand it, and it's reasonable thinking. The two best blokes, big blokes, to break the game open, running the ball back. Um, Toto and Tupo were, were great in origin. They really were. But what did we, like, in my opinion, and, and this is no disrespect, but as a Queenslander, like, I personally felt it, you just missed that energy. The, the, the energy just didn't seem to be there. Like, obviously, there was energy. You don't understand what I'm saying. But that special magic energy that those rogues bring, and that's what Queensland had this year. They had a bunch of rogues that just there was a bit of magic about what they were doing. And that's what origin is all about. It's that magic. It's that rogue. It's that guy that he's a bit on the fringes. He's a bit on the edges, but he brings something a bit crazy. Joey Johns. Think of Joey Johns. And I agree with you, mate, but would it really shock anyone if Brad Fittler decides to leave that out again? Is anyone going to be surprised, realistically, uh, knowing Freddie? I'll tell you what I can see happening. If we've got a, a slate of uh, fit players and we're picking our best team, which there's no reason why at this stage we wouldn't, your centres are going to be Latrell Mitchell and Tom Trebojevic. Yep. You've got Brian Tyo on one wing, James Jesko at the back. Yardage becomes irrelevant because our yardage is going to be so unbelievable between that lot. So you can afford to pick Josh out of the car there. This year when we didn't have Latrell and Tommy Turbo, maybe yardage with our centres was a little bit more of a question. If all those blokes are on deck, it's like just... Get the pure speed out there because we don't need yardage because good luck stopping the other 504. And I think Fox can do a lot come finals time of this World Cup. If he can show that him and Luttrell are the best left-edge combination Oof. in the world, that's going to take him a long way. Oh, seeing Luttrell and Fox link up, <laughs> it's beauty. It's beauty. You know what I, it felt like? Yeah. I felt like it was on my wedding day looking into my wife's eyes. That's what it felt like. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, please, she's a lucky girl. Oh, please tell me she's staring at you from the other side, shaking her head. <laughs> no, she's been staring at me this whole time, going, what the fuck are you doing? We're in Italy, and you're talking about rugby league, you piece of shit. You've been talking about rugby league all year long. But that's what I do for the people. That's what I do for Is the people. Is she sipping on one um, of Italy's finest Shiraz, surely? Yes, and... She is, but her other fist is clenched. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> uh, you know, so, but, you know, that Latrell, oh, fuck. Honestly, I'd put that up there with some of the most, the best <clears throat> footy to look at that you can see. Tell me another combo that is more exciting. And as of Grantia, there's been uh, like other combos that have been as exciting for sure. But Latrell Mitchell and the Fox, come on now. Come on now. Doesn't get much better than that. Whitehead, really ba- Whitehead and Bateman. <laughs> <laughs> um, Just linking so, up for speckies. Yeah. How good was it with Josh Adokar when, you know, and obviously throughout this World Cup it's been a theme that they're giving man of the match with about two or three minutes to go in the game. He got given man of the match and then he scored the try oh. of the game. Unbelievable. Jackie Whiten, how good was he? How good was he? And, and it, talk about a headache. Talk about a headache for that centre position. Campbell Graham, I thought he was really good too. Like, I didn't think it was going to be this hard to pick the back line. I really didn't. I thought I was pretty confident in the way I would go. But I'm I'm starting, like, for example, this is Matty Burton's stats. So on debut, on debut, a try and two try assists. Like, 126 metres, a line break, a line break assist. Six tackles, only one miss. So a great game in defence as well. Now we understand it's against Scotland, blah blah blah, but it, it's still, it's still, it still did it. It's on debut. Um, obviously, Campbell Graham three tries. Jackie White two tries, two assists. Like Jack White for me, it, sometimes I feel like I underestimate him. I don't know. I, I sometimes I just feel like I because he like is he the best six in the game? Probably not, but. Is he origin level? Yeah, he is. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's a bit. But then would you go? Okay, well, is Jack White one of the best centers in the game? People would be like, oh, he wouldn't. They he wouldn't get named in it because maybe it's the Canberra thing. I don't know. But then you see him play in these positions. You saw him in game one origin, and you go, he. It's almost like it's not the specific position that he plays, but rather he is just an elite rugby league player that needs to be in squads, needs to be in sides. Because he just – he's so big, he's so strong, he's so explosive. What are your guys' thoughts on, on the back five? Like, what, where do you – what direction do you think they go? Well, personally, I think I've got Jack White and locked into right centre. I think that's where I would have him. Right wing, though, between Val Holmes and Campbell Graham. Obviously, Val's played on the left all year, but he's been there and done it on so many occasions for the Kangaroos. But, mate, I, I was really impressed with Campbell Graham the other day, and it's against Scotland. I get it. I know that, but – Mate, he's been playing tremendous footy for the last few years, Campbell Graham. We've spoken about it a lot. I thought his kick returns were fantastic the other day. He's a great centre, but mate, he might be more dangerous as a winger. I've always thought that he would get his origin opportunity on the wing, and it wouldn't surprise me if you know they do end up going with Campbell Graham, which I think is very tough on Val Holmes. But Campbell Graham just being a right-side player, that might be enough for him. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I probably disagree in the sense I reckon they'll go with Holmes just because he's one of the best wingers actually in international footy. But I agree with you in the sense that Campbell Graham as a winger is a bloody good – like his carries out of his own end are fucking so hectic. Um, and he finishes really well. Uh, what do you reckon about the backline, Timmy? 
Yeah, look, I think they'll go with Val Holmes. In fact, I'm pretty confident they will, him and Addo Carr as the wingers. But, boys, I, that was my same. That was my big take from the Australia vs Scotland game and, and getting off track a little bit from the international scene. But South Sydney, Origin, Clubland, whatever, Campbell Graham is a winger. Like, he's made to be on the wing, isn't he? And, and I, it's not something that I'd really considered up until the weekend when they played him on the wing, but he's tall, like... Um, crossfield kicks, his bomb defusals, he's safe as houses, he's got a phenomenal defensive read whether he's at centre or on the wing, he's brilliant for yardage and when I mentioned earlier that I was getting to when wing it, players can be more effective on the wing than centre with Suwali'i, Campbell Graham, like, is he a better winger? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really interesting <clears throat> argument, you know, it's an argument whether like, is the reason, like put it this way, if South Sydney's back line was more stacked would they put him on the wing or do they put him at centre because they can't afford to have an inexperienced defensive centre, mm. you know, making the wrong reads. But it's it's a fair argument because when you look at his carries, you look at his body shape, all that kind of stuff, you go, maybe this bloke was made to play wing. Um, I, yeah, so I thought he was really good. Harry Grant, honestly, yeah. <laughs> He is just something else. Like, if his body holds up and he keeps playing like this, he you can't defend him. You can't defend him. He He's just – his work around the ruck is so hard to – the space that he creates for his outside men by getting out – like, it's not just like there's – a, there's a big difference between, you know, getting out 10 metres, 5 metres, 2 metres, 1 metres. But when you constantly mix it up, like one time, you know, one set, he might just get out 2 metres. The next set, he'll get out 3 metres. The next set, he goes for a full dart. When you do that, it is impossible to defend because you don't know whether it's going to be just a quick get out and then just get, get rid of the ball or whether it's going to be a full dummy half dart. And so you've got to you've got to stay honest. But then all of a sudden, because you've got Harry Grant keeping you honest in the middle, you can't slide out to the edges. And there's these massive gaps out in the edges. So I thought he was fantastic. Um, Liam Martin, I thought, had a really good game as well. Uh, Benny Hunt came on and played well. Uh, so, yeah, all in all, I thought really, really good performance by the um, Kangaroos. Um, and, yeah, like, you know, we've spoken a little bit about the, the Scottish side, but, you know, just a tough night, really. Like, what, what else could you expect? What else could you expect? Um, I, I, I say, thought from Scotland, I sorry. thought their fullback was very good, Alex Walker. In a night where they got absolutely played off the park, I thought he he he, he came up with a couple of plays that, you know, saved tries and it didn't make a huge difference. But I, I thought he came up with some really good reads at fullback, um, collecting kicks and whatnot. I, I thought he was probably their best on ground. Yeah, I, I will say... Um, just in regards to Australia, just quickly, the ki- like we all know they've got superstars, and I still think their their squad is a tick above everyone else standard wise, just a tick. But I think the one thing that the Australian side has shown more and better than any other team currently, and maybe it's my Aussie bias coming through, it's their ruthlessness. Mm. They are more ruthless than any team currently. They only had <clears throat> to play the balls in their twenty. And guess when it was? When Valentine Holmes dropped the ball off a kickoff after scoring a try. That is arguably one of the most ruthless games of rugby league anyone will ever watch. It was the, it was the 70th minute, and they were sh- like shooting up the line and jamming Scotland. And so I just haven't seen that type of ruthlessness from any other squad currently. Um, and that's that. If if there's one indication that these guys might be just on a whole other level. 
it might be the ruthlessness that Australia is showing right now. Now, obviously, it's a long tournament and we get all that. More information. They come out next week and they play like bustards. We go, okay, well, that, that ruthlessness is now to question. But right now, fucking hell. As can be said, I thought it was really evident in their defence, but even just in the scoreline, it was 40-0 at halftime. They won the second half 44-0. It's very rare you see teams winning by so much at halftime and then somehow take it to another level in the second half. They normally pull off a little bit, get a couple of errors, start throwing the ball around willy-nilly. They got better. Yeah, yeah. And that's and again, it's just that ruthlessness. How, how often, as you said, like how often do we see teams come out and tail a team up and then bloody just pack her in yeah. and we're talking about high you know top tier nrl teams so it's not just like so um yeah any more thoughts on australia versus scotland boys timmy um pretty well covered all the main points for me mate they it was yeah kim graham's fox cleary i think we've got to cover boys the, the, the one start i will point out and it is interesting reading through through the stats in these lopsided games the kangaroos 2300 meters to 673 oh that's a tough night that's a tough night at the office. And that's why, like, earlier we were talking about giving these blokes credit. Like, that is a tough night at oh. the office. Like, if you thought you had a bad day at work, try be Scotland. Yeah. And, and for those that weren't up early to watch it, the Kangaroos kicked off. The ball was going to go dead if they left it or if they caught it one foot out. The poor Scottish <coughs> bloke caught it, then put his foot over the dead ball like oh. a poor bastard. It couldn't have started worse for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, as I said, like earlier, like you got to respect the man in the arena. Very easy to put shit on a bloke that gets towed up. You have to. Re- this is this is Rocky. I mean, this is Tyson versus bloody me. Literally, <laughs> matter of fact, <laughs> actually, that, it's actually you know what? It's better than that because I'm wor- I'd be worse. But um, so yeah, respect to the Scottish boys. I the, the, really like what you and I can. Linnet played a bit of uh, first grade. That's like ser- like the squad, and this is no disrespect. It's it's not even a Q Cup squad. Like it, it really isn't. Um, you know, maybe a few of them could could play Q Cup for sure, uh, but it, it probably isn't. Um, and and it's you know maybe if they got into systems, they could become a Q Cup side. But because they haven't played together, obviously it's it's um, not going to be standard uh, that high. Anyway, uh, now let's get on to Fiji versus Italy. I tell you what. Fiji for me, they're they're like put it this way. Let's if you if you took Australia and New Zealand out of this comp, and you kept even England in, even though I think England does, uh, uh, they're probably they're third, they're third right now in regards to who I think the best sides. Fiji is a, the next like a dark horse for me. Like I, I really like what they're doing. I, I think that they they haven't been um, there hasn't been enough hype around them. Like you know, I I, I think that. If they played Samoa or Tonga, I think it would be a pretty bloody good game. I, I think Fiji deserve a massive, massive rap, and they're going about their business quietly. You know, like they're not they're, like this is sixty to four, guys. This is a this is if, if Australia beat Italy sixty to four, we'd be going, yeah, good win, good win. Um, sixty to four, and they they were completely dominant the whole game. Now, who, I who are they going to get? Was, um, who are they going to get in first week of knockouts? Do we know? Do we know where they're uh, going to land or not? I don't know, but if they land Samoa or Tonga, mm. it could be huge. Game it could on. be huge. Um, yeah, I'll have to... Uh, Matty, could you try to look up the, the brackets and how yeah, they could yeah, work? Yeah, I'll have a look now. Because, like, you look at their side. Okay, Taruva, he's an NRL player. Like, I understand he's a rookie. He's an NRL player, and he's been fucking outstanding, this thing. Then you've got Karua uh, Levu. 
Um, I'm not sure who he, what, who's, what system he's with. But then you've got Nangama, Semi Valame, Sivo, Coruscant, Wakeman, Vuniyawa. Sorry, apologies if I'm getting this wrong. Uh, Penoni Tagamatu, Kamika, Kamitha, Wong, who was a, a super young gun at the Roosters, Kickout, and Corbin Sims. Like, that's a fair side. That's a fair side. Um, hasn't Happy Coruscant been just showed his class? Like, I understand he had a couple errors or whatever, but he is so silky through the middle. So, so silky. Uh, Kickout just proved like. <laughs> When you're that much of a beast, like it just you just can't be stopped. Like when you're playing guys that are obviously part time, but I want to go like um, Sue. I apologize if I'm getting it wrong. Sue Wong, 180 meters, three tackle breaks, 92 post contact, 21 tackles, zero misses, and like that's in like he's a rookie. This guy's a rookie, and I know it's against Italy, but when you look at the the stats of he's got the most meters of any forward in their team, and so. That's actually, he's got this, oh, so the third most meters of any player in the whole team and the most meters of any forward on the field. We're talking about a young teenage rookie at the Roosters. I think it's it's time to start taking a bit of notice of this Wong fella and being like, oh, we might be onto something here. Now, obviously, crazy long way to go. Hasn't played in a row yet, to my understanding. Um, any thoughts on the game, boys? Hold up. The hold up, hold up, hold up. Uh, it looks like Fiji are going to play in New Zealand. Oh, yeah, that sucks. Really I mean, I mean, like they have a chance, but it would have been great if they could have landed a Samoa or Tonga. The disrespect, Guru Wong's Wong's your boy. <laughs> Can be stolen him from. Me. Has, I can't yeah. believe it. He's oh no! no speak to me, Guru. Apologies, Guru. Speak to me. No, no, but he's uh, yeah. He hasn't made his debut yet, mate. But he's definitely one to watch at the Chooks next year. Uh, he he was their SG ball captain this year. Uh, he played a bit of reserve grade at the end of the season for the Bears and. He absolutely killed it. He was their best player in the team straight away, and that was the first time he's ever played against men. So I, he's my tip for probably uh, Rookie of the Year next year. If he can just get a spot in that Rooster side, I think he's going to explode there, and he can sort of he can play any position. Um, you know, he, he's one of those guys. Like even if you go and have a look at his stats last week, that's that's the first time he's ever played first class rugby league. It was against the fucking Kangaroos. <laughs> And like he came up with a couple of missed tackles here and there, but he, he still ran for a hundred plus meters. He was he was solid. So I, I, the Roosters they they know they've got a special one in Wong. They've uh, they've had him for a few years now, uh, and yeah, I reckon he'll he'll go real good next year for the Chooks. Yeah, he was impressive. He was really impressive. Um, I also thought uh, the number fourteen uh, was really good. Two tries, one hundred sixty eight meters. I, I, when I watch these world, another part of this World Cup that I love is that you watch it and you go far out. There's so many players that if they just got in a system here or there and, and, mm. and responded to that system the right way, they absolutely have the ability to play first grade. Like uh, we talked about, for example, um, last week, is it Panny or pa- Puppy? Uh, yeah, Puppy. Yeah. yeah, Puppy. And like you're telling me that if, if let's say he did a couple of pre-seasons <laughs> with an NRL squad, he fully committed to it and he responded to it the right way, you're telling me that bloke couldn't play NRL? Come on. Well, just on him, and I know we'll get to him soon, but very interesting. Shane Flanagan, he's on the coaching staff for P&G. If he does join Manly next year, that could be a little interesting one there. Well, so we put up a post um, basically saying who, what club could use after his game last week. And apparently he signed a, a like a three-year deal with Lee Centurions, the new, um, mm. the, new uh, the, the side that's just come into Super League. 
But it wouldn't be. I'd be surprised if there wasn't something in his contract saying if an NRL comes knocking, I can you know give it a crack because if you, like I, I feel sorry for saying this because like uh, Lee Centurions, oh the new name, yeah, the Lee now, Leopards now. Yeah. I think it is. Oh, I'm pretty oh, sure Lee we Leopards. got. Um, could be wrong, but uh, player of the championship, so the reserve grade to the Super League last season, playing for Lee. So like the talent. Obviously, there. So, yeah. one off. Yeah, okay. And I think Lee are yeah, actually so they, co- coached by Adrian Lamb, aren't they? I'm pretty sure, who's obviously a PNG legend. I'm pretty confident he is. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. okay, well, that, that, might, be, that yeah. might be a way to keep him. Anyway, let's get back sorry, to the Fiji. Apologies, boys, for the, the misdirect. Um, yeah, so look, PNG, uh, they, to me, right now, them and Fiji, uh, sorry, them and Fiji and PNG for me right now are the real. The real well, Lebanon. We'll get to Lebanon, but they're kind of the, the sides where you go. Hang on a sec. We've been focused so much on Tonga and Samoa and the way they progressed, and I would still say Samoa and Tonga are, are further along for sure. Like I'm not denying that, but hang on a sec. There might be a bit of potential here in this Fiji PNG to step up to that level, and then all of a sudden, instead of having this like Australia. New Zealand kind of bracket and then a England Tonga bracket and then another bracket. All of a sudden we probably have like Australia, New Zealand, England. Then we have a, you know, Tonga, Samoa, PNG, Fiji. I'm not saying it's there yet, but then it, it starts to become a little bit interesting. And I think that they're the real, especially Fiji. I, I've really been impressed. What do you think, Guru? Yeah, I agree, man. And it's obviously like, it's going to have an effect, you know, down, you know, f- further into the years when there's you know kids in PNG growing up, watching their team compete on the biggest stage. It'll it'll just keep developing the the, the longer the, the the international game keeps growing like this. So, but yeah, man, I agree that they've been my big surprise back at PNG. And I mean, they came into this series. They they lost Xavier Coates. He's already gone home. There's a couple of other guys they're missing as well. So they're not even full strength. Same as Fiji. They're missing Tarek Sims. They're missing both Saifidis. So both these countries are doing very well. Mate, both Saifidis. Wow. Think about how different that for. Oh man. Yeah. Um, and Sims as well. Like. Anyway, yeah, so look, great win by, um, you know, Brandon Wakeman, three try assists. Stivo, oh, man, he's a scary sight when he gets going. Um, really interesting to see what happens with Taruva at the Penny Panthers. I wonder where do they fit this bloke? Because it's just, I just can't see a, a world where you get him in the side. What do you boys reckon? He's, he's, he should be playing NRL, in my opinion. He's ready. Yeah, I mean, he, he doesn't at the moment. It, he doesn't fit into that team, unfortunately. It, it, he'll play... Let's say they there were no injuries all season for Penrith. He'd play next year. I think the schedule changes a little bit where there'll be three three major buy rounds or whatever. But he'd basically play three games or two games when Toto's out for Origin. But as far as their team lineup goes, he's just not better than than Taylor May, Brian Toto, or Dylan Edwards. So unless there are injuries, he'll be sitting in reserve grade, and I don't really see a way around that. He'll be key to the club because he's incredible depth, but in terms of a starting role goes, he just... And, and again, on to Charlie Staines, where you're sort of sitting there going, well, why is he leaving? But Taruva's probably sitting there going, I'm good enough in NRL, but he's not getting a start next year unless there's injuries. Yeah, well, if the rumours are true that Stephen Crichton could be going to Canterbury, all rumours, but I reckon that, that's probably his one Maybe. hope to get into that side. Mm. I reckon that's well, what he's probably betting so, on. So that was going to be my next uh, point of discussion because – so Crichton converted for Samoa, didn't he? Yep. And so when it starts all adding up and you start going, 
we know Crichton's potential. We saw him play fullback. He's had huge big games. You know, reportedly he's on a decent wicket, but I don't know how. I don't know. Look, I'm, I definitely could be wrong. I don't know how that works. I don't know how you can be having Crichton in that side on 6700K. And so that's where I see how did the Penny Panthers now? Did they just re sign Crichton or is he still on the open market? I'm like pretty sure he's year. on the open market still. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Could you check for that for us, please, Maddie? Checking now. Um, yep. So that's where the question becomes. Crichton, I think Crichton wants to play fullback. I could be wrong, but it, it, in my opinion, it, it seems like he wants to be the guy. Uh, not, 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 not in an ego way. You know, he is the guy. Like this guy is a freak, a freak of nature. And when he plays fullback, he absolutely kills it. And so that could be a, an area where the Panthers are almost hoping they keep Crichton. But if they can't, we, you know, we've got Taruva. We make some slight adjustments um, in regards to could Taruva play in the centres. Um, or, or whatever it would be, um, so that that may be a way that he finds his way into the the side. But we'll get to, to Crichton uh, when we get to Samoa. But back to uh, Fiji. Um, anyone else you wanted to mention, boys, in the Fiji side? No, I think it's just just one of those games. A big win. You know, the big stars were standouts. Kiko, uh, Kikau, Sivo. Um, yeah, I don't really have anyone else to touch on you. Nothing too much to touch on. The only one thing I will say is um, waking up and seeing that game, Kingston Park in Newcastle is a tiny little English stadium, beautiful sunny afternoon. I'm just going, if you lived anywhere nearby, I had the opportunity to get down to like World Cup footy that afternoon. I was sitting there so envious going, it looked incredible. Oh Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, again, just a shout out to the Italian side. Obviously got four points. Um, I just love the, the Butlers. I love the Butlers. Uh, Nathan Brown, obviously, playing for them. Um, so, yes, PG, one to watch. England v. France. Really interesting game, this one, because <laughs> first 20, pretty poor from England. Last 10, really poor, in my opinion. Um, but that middle bit, oh, shit. Oh, shit, we got to... We've got a, a real contender for the World Cup final. And so if you can get that middle, whatever it is, 60, I'm not good at masculine, you know this. Look, <laughs> did I do advanced master school? Yeah, I did. But I don't know how I forgot everything. I don't know how I forgot everything. Um, you know, it's funny. When I was at school, my school kept trying to like put me into the advanced classes and I kept brushing it. I was, like, so I was in the normal ones and they kept being like, you need to move up into the advanced ones. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll have a think about it. And then I just wouldn't get back to them. And eventually they're like, no, 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 you have to. And I was like, oh, fuck. I refused on the English though. I refused on the English. Um, anyway. And you, Where did Ben uh, Hart finish on the Dally M's again? Where was he, Matty? Uh, <laughs> I'm muting my mic. <laughs> Where what? Where did oh, Ben yeah. Hart finish oh, on the Dally M's? <laughs> um, anyway. It's a long time ago, Guru. Yeah, I forgot about that, that as well. <laughs> oh, one of the um, best four minutes of my life. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Technically, um, anyway, the, the England one, the England one, it's a, it's an interesting one because yes, there is a different in skill set for sure between Australia and England. In my opinion, English people that are listening, I understand you think I'm biased because I'm an Australian, and I respect that. And maybe I am biased. Maybe I am. But the key difference for me right now between England and Australia is ruthlessness. Now I know that they came up and they came out and absolutely towed Samoa up, but that was more 
they just dominated a side that played like as in they played really well for sure, but it's an opening game. You you have every right to come out for eighty minutes and, and kill it. Whereas like ruthlessness is there in games where it's not a big match. You you, you know you're going to win the match. There's nothing to worry about. There's no reason to be intense. And I just think that that's the tiny bit that the skill set a little bit. But the biggest thing that I have for England, if they can fix it, and it's been two games, guys, I understand next week they come out, blah, blah, blah. But if they can fix that little bit and be ruthless for 80 minutes, they absolutely are a chance to win. But it was a tiny bit, just a tiny bit, concerning that they had moments in games where they were lapsing in and out of it. That becomes sometimes becomes a bad habit. And then when you get to the good sides, they absolutely crucify you for it. And instead of you going down by six points. You, you, it's like when you play the Penrith Panthers. You're watching them play. The game's close for the first 20 minutes. And you're going, oh, the Sharkies are in this or the Eels are in this. And then you bloody look down and look back up. It's been 15 minutes and there's 20 points scored. And you're going, what the hell? Like Penrith haven't even had that many opportunities. But they are fucking ruthless. They do not let you up with any mistakes. Um so I'm not saying I'm not death riding England at all. No, please don't say that. I'm saying that absolutely still a chance. That is just my one little concern. The positive side of things is another good performance overall, like mostly good performance. Another, you know, when they put it together, a lot of points. The 18 points is a bit concerning for France. But outside of that, that's 42 points. In their last three games, they smashed Fiji. They smashed Samoa and they smashed France. There has to be some that's that's exciting for England. What do you reckon, Guru? Yeah, I would also say like um, defensively, when you look at the tries they have conceded, it was an intercept last week to Isaac Tungo. There was um, one of their tries that, that France scored was like a rebounded kick that just happened to fall their way. Um, there was a try out of dummy half that 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 was just a bit soft too. Like just uh, it probably wasn't the play to run. He ended up scoring, but I wouldn't say it was a great play to run on that on on that tackle. So I, I think defensively they have been pretty solid as a whole. The only try that they've had conceded against and that was a good genuine try where a play was put on them and they weren't able to handle it was I, I think the last one. So you know we are we are try, trying to find some some positives out of this World Cup and all these smashes and everything. And I would say the defense of England so far, I would say it has been a positive. Um, for them, and it's going to have to be top shelf if they are going to keep, compete with the Kiwis and the Kangaroos because, as you said, Kempi, they will be ruthless for the entire game. And if they do clock off, they'll find themselves in Curry very quickly. Yeah, and, but that's what I mean. You know, like when you say, you know, dummy half, yeah, then you go, oh, reflection, deflection, oh, intercept. Those are those little moments that, you know, you just can't have against the big dogs. And I, I, I get the only worry I have is like when you get into that big moment and it's just that one intercept pass. Think about Rabbitohs, Panthers, grand final, one pass and that changed everything. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you're saying that that's not the case, but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. shine out there. Yeah. Um, what do you reckon, Timmy? Am I off my head or what? No, no, mate. Very fair points. And I think with England, and I touched on it last week in the, the recap of week one, but... I sort of mentioned that they play a a fairly simplistic style of footy and I think that works in World Cups because when you're getting new players together, you know, they don't have a full NRL season and 25 weeks to get these combinations right. So if you try and play a little bit too expansive, you get to that first knockout stage and if things don't go, balls don't go to hand and combinations aren't working, it can go wrong very quickly. So when, when England play this sort of high percentage, you know, 
uh, style of football. And when I say that, they're not throwing loose passes or trying chip and chases or, you know, throwing three-man cutouts. It's effective in World Cups and in campaigns. Whilst at the same time, they've got enough strike there to put points on the board through this brand of footy. And you could call it a little bit Penrith in that they play high percentage footy. On one edge, they've got George Williams, who's been exceptional. Elliot Whitehead, who also has been brilliant. And Herbie Farmworth uh, with Take Your Pick of the Wingers. On the right edge, they'll have Makinson with Johnny Bateman, who was outstanding in his first game in the tournament. And then Dom Young, who, oh, I mean, he, he was he had his moments for Newcastle this year, but he's been a bit of a revelation in the first two games this World Cup. There are There's strike power all over the park for England. So I think what they're putting together is is. You know, it could be something special, and come the deeper end of the tournament, they'll be they'll be riding the hunt. Yeah, no, I I agree in regards to, I think they will be in the hunt for sure. The, the <laughs> I think that the as I said, the only gap is is those those ruthless eighty minutes performances that I think we we've got such a small sample size. You know, we they towed up Samoa, they towed up Fiji. Mm. You know, I will say though, seeing the great John Air Bateman oh. back out in the field. <laughs> How good was he? And you're going, bro, come back to NRL, please. Yeah. Please. Johnny, Johnny, I know you're listening. I mean, you're not, but secretly you are. Come back to the NRL, please, please. You you should be here. I know you, you're obviously from England or whatever, but he's a superstar, man. I, I don't know how he does it. He's not that big. He's not that strong. He's just a mongrel. He loves it, the energy he brings. And so when I... You know, when I look down and, and put aside the, you know, the me saying about the ruthless 80 minutes or whatever, because like that's just me being, that's me putting them in the same category as Australia saying I think they can win a World Cup. When you put that aside and you see a back row of Elliot Whitehead, Bateman and Victor Adley, you go, hang on a sec. We're talking about Elliot Whitehead who was in a grand final in 2019. Was it 19? 19. John o. Bateman who was back row of the year that he played in the NRL. And Vic, Victor Radley, who on his day, when he gets a full year and no in and out, some argue he's the best 13 in the world. But you got Georgie Williams, who had a tough year this year. He's been outstanding, outstanding. You've got Tom Burgess, who was a premier front rower. Then you go to guys like Herbie Farnworth, and you start to go, if it isn't this World Cup, like let's say it isn't this World Cup that they, they get the win. I think if they keep the same systems that they're building and they keep progressing the way they are, their their only direction is up. Like they are really, this is one of the best sides I've seen England since I've been watching footy play, like watching footy. And granted, I don't have the deepest knowledge of in the past or whatever, but in my opinion, this is one of the best England sides I've I've personally seen. I know the English, like they've been, look, you would, you could say the other world cup side with, you know, guys like Sammy Burgess and uh, James Graham, but I don't know. I just think there's something about the age of all of their key players, but also their outside backs that are like Dominic Young. You could argue has been, you know, I think the Fox has been the best winger in the comp uh, in the cup. Dominic Young's been, a, as you said, a revelation. Uh, this this may not be the best, but I tell you what, if it's not the best, it's one of the best England sides we've seen. Do you? What do you reckon, boys? Yeah, you've obviously got the teams from like uh, the 90s and whatnot that were sensational, that, that, that really pushed the kangaroos back then. Um, I, I'm keen to see, obviously, how they go in a game against New Zealand and the kangaroos um, before I make that call. But based on the evidence that we've got so far, uh, mate, that, that they've blown it out of the water compared to where I thought they'd be. Apologies. I, I, so I more mean like uh, on paper, like when you look at, when you go through that squad and the depth and that. But I, I agree. Mm. I don't, like the 90s and that, like... I, 
they're, pro- they're absolutely were better English sides. I'm more just talking about like this generation. <laughs> but you're right. To make the call, we probably have to see him against a top tier nation in 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 play. Whereas on paper, I honestly think this is one of the better sides. Like they they had um, Jack Wellsby on the bench for the first half. And like he's an absolute yeah. gun. Well, he's only twenty one as well. I was reading the other yeah. day. He's and that, young, and that's yeah. what I'm saying. George Williams, Jack Wellsby, like George Williams is what twenty six, twenty seven. This English squad excites me. It really does, and that's why on paper, their ages, their their all that kind of stuff. I, I just think there's a lot to like about it. I really do. Now it's and and I just think that when you watch them play, okay, yes, do they do they have a little things they need to clear up? Yeah, for sure. But as you alluded to, Timmy, like. They do. They do play a very. Co- I know cohesive is the word of the bloody World Cup, <laughs> but they do seem to be the most cohesive. One of the one of the most. I know the, the Australia looks really good, but they do seem to be all really gelling. It doesn't seem to be out of step, and no one knows where they're going. Um, I'm excited for England. I, I really am excited for England, and I think that their first game against like Oz or or New Zealand is going to be an absolute firecracker. Um, anything else you want to say about the England side, boys? No, they're, oh. they're doing well. I'm just keen to see them get through, through this group stage. Touch quickly on, uh, hopefully pronunciation correct, but Arthur Morg, who in the oh, halves for Fred 2 was outstanding. Not much of him. He was in the, the halves for the Catalans in the grand final a couple of years back for them. So he has been around for some time despite being a bit younger. Uh, but I said not a lot of size about him, but 24 tackles without a miss. Uh, scored, what he had, scored one, had a contribution, and just looked so lively in, in you know, a pretty well be- beaten side. I thought he was wonderful. And secondly, the goal kicking in this World Cup has been so good. 10 from 10. Shout out to Snide, who had has probably the, the shortest goal kicking uh, <laughs> run up run since. Up. Shout out to. Chris Sando, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but the goal kicking has been wonderful in this World Cup, and I've been absolutely loving it. Yeah, it's it's a great point. It's it's uh it's something that you don't really appreciate until you you kind of realise, especially in the Tiger games, how important it is. Uh, I want to give a shout out to number six as well. That try scored was fucking champagne rugby league. <laughs> that was champagne rugby league. It, it says he has two tackle breaks. I want to speak to the stat man. That there were more than two tackle breaks in that. Yeah. Come on now, come on now. The stat man must have been Aussie. You know what? I was a stat man. Because I'm clearly biased against England. I mean, I clearly hate England. Um, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I don't hate England at all. Um, but yeah, Arthur, that try score was it was electric. It really was. And again, it's that, it's that what we're talking about earlier is like, you know, maybe if the kid like obviously he probably wants to stay in um, you know where he lives over in in Europe, but like guys like this, like would there be a difference in their career if they had grown up in Australia and had the same systems and all that kind of stuff. You, you just, I'm just not, um, not sure. Uh, outside of that, I thought some of their big, their big boys, um, Jordan Tezera at stages. Fucking hell. Um, some of his runs were great. Uh, but yeah. Um, so great. I mean, look, it was actually a great effort by France. They completed it at 90%. So <laughs> 90%. Wow. But outside of that, England um, England are basically if I'm an England fan, I'm extremely happy. I'm extremely happy where the boys are right now. They've got a few little things to clean up, but they couldn't have done much more. They couldn't have done much more. It's going to be exciting to see them come into the finals. Now, onto New Zealand versus Jamaica. 
Um, little bit of a rusty start for New Zealand. A little bit of a, a hiccup, I guess. Then the big dogs just turned her on. The big dogs just turned her on. Um, you know, I'd actually, to be fair, I'd probably, I'd say that they had a similar issue to England in the sense that, I mean, I think they, I think the people they played weren't were probably not as good as France, but I do think that they faded a little in in and out of the games at times and sometimes looked a little bit clunky. Uh, but at the end of the day, they won sixty eight to six. Let's not kid ourselves. These guys are here to win a World Cup. They are a threat. They even the guys that they're bringing in, like we, you know, it's interesting at the start of the the, the thing we said. Probably the difference is maybe the depth. But I tell you what, the New Zealand guys that came in. They look bloody good. Obviously, Dallin returning to the Lesniak, four tries, three tries, sis. New Zealand, are, they're a, they deserve to be respected. They are going to be a threat. And when Australia play New Zealand, I'm watching it naked. They're a <laughs> Oh, yeah, New Zealand, they were very good. DWZ, as you said, mate, three tries, four tries, three tries. Yes, he only played 60 minutes. It was crazy. It was like it, he was on fire, DWZ. Very, very impressive. Um, Joey Manu as well. I was having a look at, at some odds the night before. He was at $1.80 to score a hat-trick in this game, <laughs> Joey Manu. <laughs> Didn't come up with one, so I'm sure there's a lot of punters out there that would have been hammered by that one. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, it was good to see Joey Manu. Normally, he's you know, he, he still t- took a heap of runs, but normally he has more runs. Um, than, than passes when he plays 5-8 and fullback. He moved the ball around a lot the other day. So I think if I'm a Roosters fan, I'm, I like to see that other side of him, that if they do have to use him there long term, he, he can do more than just run every time he gets the ball, which, which was a positive thing to see, I think. Oh, mate, Joey Manu, as we've said all year, this might be the Joey Manu fan club. He is the only player in the NRL right now that isn't any on anywhere near a million dollars that should be on a million dollars. It is a... Honestly, it's almost a travesty that he's not. This guy is incredible, and I don't know how. I mean, sometimes, I mean, a lot of the time, a lot of players, there's more to life than money, but I hope at least one time in his career he earns a million dollars because he deserves it. He's incredible. incredible. Play the the devil's advocate here, boys. Would you have played him in this game against Jamaica? Does it achieve anything for a bloke who a lot of your World Cup aspirations hinge on? Out of position at 5'8", so you can't even throw the cohesion word at, at it because it meant nothing. Well, so I I see your point, Timmy. I, I see your point. But I think it is just in case one of their halves go down. Um, and so to put him in there to give him some reps to, just to get him feeling it for it, That's uh, the only reason I say that is because Chance was put to one. So it seems like a, look, let's put him in the sixth role in case – one of our halves go down and, you know, foreign is better at seven or whatever it is. I think it was more a, a depth decision, but I could be wrong. You, you're right. It could be a, mate, this guy's played so much footy. Let's just like rest him for sure. Um, it's It seemed to me more of a depth decision though, rather than he needs runs in, the, in his legs. Thoughts? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I can go either way on it. I understand what, why rest him as someone that, that took him for top try scorer for the Kiwis. I was more than happy <laughs> to see him play. Uh, but I, I can understand it uh, both ways. But, I mean, with a team like New Zealand, you can probably say that about 10, 10 blokes as well. Uh, I, I, I would assume that if Husey was available for this game and still not injured, I reckon there's a good chance Manu doesn't play and Husey gets his first game. But with him still out injured, I, I understand it. That's a fair shout. Yeah. Yep. Um, another shout out, Brandon Smith. Fuck, Roosters fans get excited. 
get excited. This guy is going to be something special at that club. I'm telling you, he when if he has a when when he has a full preseason to get his body exactly the way it needs to be for hooker, like people forget he was the Dalian hooker of the year when he played there. He like this guy is amazing. He is an amazing player that offers something that like we rarely see in in hookers. Like, tell me the last time we've seen a hooker this explosive. Has there, put it this way, Guru, step into the, the memory bank, Timmy. Have we ever seen a hooker this explosive when it comes to the physicality of him, the pace of him, his ability to absolutely crease front rowers? Have we ever seen it? Glenn Bartros, 2011. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Tung, I'm sure Alan Tung played a bit of hooker. He surely. did play a bit of hooker, actually. Yeah, it's not a bad show. Yeah, <laughs> Alan Tung in there, mate. Yeah, he is such a it, unique yeah. footballer, isn't he? Like, he's just Brandon Smith. Like, especially when you see when he was playing hooker, like, he could scoot and there could be five defenders there and it wouldn't fucking matter. He gets so low yeah. and he's so hard to handle. And the effect it has is that you get, you get five guys pushing into a two-meter radius just to control him in case he runs. And if he doesn't, there's space everywhere all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. So exciting. Another guy I want to give a shout-out, my boy, Jeremy Marshall King. Well, Guru's boy, he called it before I did, uh, made his debut, two tries, a try assist, uh, 10 tackles, zero missed. Mate, we, we've spoken about this quite a lot, Guru. I think the Dolphins have got a bargain at number nine. I really, really do. I think that he was one of the best for the Bulldogs this year. I think under Wayne, he's going to improve. Like, put it this way. If you said Jeremy Marshall King is going to be playing for the Kiwis in the World Cup, people would have laughed at you at the start of the year. Matter of fact, when we spoke about this, Guru, remember when he said he, his goal is to be one of the better a top five hooker, I think he said. That's what he said, yeah. Um, uh, his goal was. He didn't say he was a top five. And there was a lot of people that talked a, a lot of crap. And I'm not saying he's a top five hooker at all. But you can't tell me that he hasn't made gigantic improvements. And so much so that, you know, if someone gets injured or they need a, a really versatile 14, he may be able to sneak on the bench for one of the bigger games. Like, I'm not saying that he will be in the starting 17, but injuries happen in World Cups. They really do. And and sometimes coaches want to have a specialist 14 in the number nine role. So just a massive shout out to uh, Jeremy Marshall King. He, he was great. What do you reckon, Europe? What about him scoring two tries off his winger kicking infield? Do you reckon that's ever happened before? <laughs> a winger kicks infield oh, for the mate. hooker to score a double? Mate, but wingers no. are always carrying hookers. What do hookers even do? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I agree, mate. I think he's going to be a really good get for the Dolphins. I think the key word there is value. Wouldn't have paid much for yeah. him. Uh, and I, I think he'll be really good up there. Because they signed him pretty early, hey? They signed him very. They signed him before this all this form. And I think yeah. this is where Wayne, he's always had a special relationship with Benji Marshall, which is, of course, his older brother. So I, I reckon there, there would have been a bit playing in there. Uh, yeah, for sure. I uh, just want to give a quick shout-out to my boy, Peter Hiku. <laughs> 215 metres, 16 hit-ups. Like, he can't help himself. That boy loves truck and nut. <laughs> he is so underrated, so underappreciated. Um, I love him. I, like, seriously, two line breaks, three line break assists, four tackle breaks, seven tackles, zero misses. Peter Hiku doesn't get the love he deserves because, obviously, Valentine Holmes is a star at the Cowboys. When you go look at his season and his stats, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll be honest, he has an error or two in him sometimes in some games, but he does not get the appreciation and respect he deserves. Matter of fact, if you said someone to like list their 10 best centers or 15 or even just all of them, some people may not even realize that he plays center. You know, they'd go, oh, Hiku, 
that's how underrated this bloke is. That's how underrated this bloke is. Um, I, I just wanted to give a shout out to him. I think he's fantastic. He just keeps doing the damn thing, doesn't he? Every single week. Loves it. Yeah. Loves it. And he, and he doesn't ask for any praise or nothing. You never hear about him. He's, yeah, incredible. Um, anyway, um, yeah, what else we got here? Sorry, my fucking phone's freezing. Um, yeah, and obviously, massive congratulations on the, on the bloody the six points for Jamaica. Incredible stuff. Uh, now, on to the next game. We'll probably just go through this real quick, guys, because um, I think I like got shit to do, eh? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you reckon? <laughs> uh, yeah. Got a life to live, guys. Let me fucking live. Jeez. Um, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, okay. My Lebanon boys. They have been absolutely outstanding. And for me personally, they are the Cinderella story of the World Cup. Uh, they are most likely going to be in the quarterfinals, which is fucking amazing. They were fantastic again on the weekend. They were good the week before as well. Um, you know, the, Leban- the Lebanese community is growing. Like, think of it. I'll tell you this. Guess what the score was between New Zealand and Lebanon? You guys know it. 34-12. We're talking about New Zealand here. New Zealand. And Lebanon played with 12 for the last 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. 34-12. 34-12. This is the Cinderella story of the competition. There is no if, buts, or maybes about it. Um, And the really interesting thing is that the Lebanese community in Australia is getting bigger and bigger by the day. Um, these boys are doing their country proud. These boys are playing fantastic footy. Mitchell Moses, if you want to, if you ever wanted, if you ever wanted a game to watch where like the difference between the silkiest of the silkiest and then you know then the step below it, go and watch, um, you know Lebanon versus uh, Ireland. Mitchell Moses was absolutely electric, and just the way he moved the ball around was just beautiful rugby league. Beautiful rugby league. So massive congratulations to um, to Lebanon. They reckon that they've already won the Dalian for best haircuts and most well-groomed men uh, of the World Cup. That's just the reports I'm getting. Um, Guru, thoughts on Lebanon versus Ireland? Yeah, it was good to see Lebanon uh, get the win. They're, they're actually outsiders in this game, which I could not believe. I think they were at like 250 or something. It was ridiculous. Um, yeah, a, a good game. They, they played well. I thought that uh, it was great to see Reese Robinson score a try. He's been... Like, I remember watching Lebanon 10 years ago, and he was the only bloke you knew that was out there on the field. And for him to still be playing and still scoring tries, great to see. Uh, the kid that made his debut in Jersey 18, he was playing 5'8". His last name is Rajab. Uh, he won the SG Ball Player of the Year for Canterbury last year. He was playing six. He's played 13. He's played fullback in, you know, um, Jersey flag and everything. Really talented young kid. And if you go back and you watch that Kiraz try that he scores, it comes out to Rajab. He turns it back inside to Mitch Moses. Uh, a nice little moment for him. He's got a bit of a Josh Reynolds sort of feel to him at Canterbury. They absolutely love him over there. He's a local boy. Uh, I reckon you'll see him in first grade very, very soon. I don't know what's better, his performance or his thick, luscious hair. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. If I'm a hair company... Get on board the Rajab train. Get on board the Rajab plane. Get on him early. You get him cheap. That hair is so thick and so luscious. It doesn't quit. It doesn't stop. And it plays like that. He might speak to his hair before the game and say, I'm going to play like you. I won't let you down. <laughs> um, 
Timmy, thoughts on Lebanon versus Ireland? Yeah, boys, I was down in uh, the lovely Queanbeyan, just outside the nation's capital earlier this season, and popped up on watching the Queanbeyan Kangaroos, and on the team sheet, Reese Robbo popped up, and I was watching uh, one of the the smoothest movers across a football field I've ever seen uh, back in the flesh for the mighty Queanbeyan Roos. It was an absolute <laughs> sight to behold. A month or two later, he's repping it at the Rugby League World Cup and he uh, hasn't lost an ounce of speed. I absolutely love him. And uh, we've said this about four times already this podcast, but could be the nicest bloke in uh, World Rugby League, Reese Robbo. Doesn't probably fit the, the bill of, of big, tough, rough and tumble beer-drinking rugby league player, but he's a lovely, lovely bloke, Robbo. And, yeah, I was the same as you, um, Guru. Just wonderful to see him still doing well. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually with him at the Broncos. So he's, oh, he's a great lad. Champion, great hey. lad. Yeah, just a great lad. Um, oh, also, Kemp, quick Kemp, shout did, to Karat. Did, did you have him for speed? Because that dude can move. I've heard you could move, but he can move as well. Timmy? Who, who wins over a hungy? I had everyone for speed, baby. I even had Leon Bot for speed. I, I did. I beat them all in a – we had a sprint, as in like a 40-metre time trial. Yeah. The beak, the beak got there. Look, did I have performance-enhancing nose? Yeah, I did. But that's that's beside the point. No, no. Well, at the time, it was a, a record for the Broncos. The, the highest top speed they'd ever had. It was about 10 metres per second. At a, 10, yeah, about that. Um, it's a hot so field. It was, yeah, it was, it's me. It was me. Then it was actually – Anderson, and Fraser, Anderson Fraser. Um, oh fuck, what's his name again? Big tall guy, and then Leon Bott. So yeah, the beat got a baby. Beat got the chocolates. <laughs> he was number one. Um, didn't have much else, but I could run really fast. Uh, <laughs> just want to give a quick shout out to Karaz. I like this kid. I like this kid a lot. Everyone knows I love Karaz. I um, it's going to be interesting. He, he said he said he'll play wherever he will at the Bulldogs, but he actually has a desire. Well, not a desire. He grew up playing six or one. And he said that if the Bulldogs put him at fullback, he'll do a job. So that's interesting. I like to hear that from players. Like I don't like to hear that they, you know, they're they're sooking and that they, you know, they deserve to play anywhere. I don't like to hear that. And he didn't say that. He said if the Bulldogs put me there, I'll I'll do a job. But I thought he was really good at fullback. And I think we we're, I think we've got a a cult hero being developed right now at the Bulldogs. I love him. Um, quickly. Um, Luke Keary showed his silkiness. Some of the, the like, basically, it was his silkiness that was getting Ireland back in the game. Um, I, I've got to go, so we'll go through this quickly. Apologies, guys. Samoa versus Greece. Um, look, Samoa did exactly what they have to do. Um, I still probably want to see a little bit more uh, from Samoa um, in regards to my statements of I believe personally that they need a new. Uh, you know, maybe maybe a refreshing when it comes to the whole the setup, uh, but they did exactly what they needed to do, and so now it's basically they're almost not back on square one because the round one was so disappointing, but they probably couldn't have done any more to say no. That was just that was just a bad game. We hadn't played much together. This is the real Samoa. Anyone that says, oh, you know, I'm still counting them out or whatever, it's like, well, what else could have they done? What, win by 100? Like, what, what could they have done? Uh, so I, I think it's good signs for Samoa. I'm still not fully convinced. But what more could they do? What more could they do? They, um, To'o, I thought, came alight. He ran, I think it's the second most, the second most meters ever. Um, 
for in a in a World Cup um, or like international footy, three hundred seventy one meters, uh, one hundred and forty four post contact, sixteen tackle breaks, two line breaks, line break assist, and offload five tackles, zero misses, a try. So that is absolutely amazing. Another shout out, Tim Lafay. At the start of this this World Cup, I was like, I don't, I can't see Tim Lafay getting much games when they're full strength. I don't know. I think he might he might put a bit of pressure on getting a spot there, even when they're full strength. Now, I'm not saying he definitely will, but I think he played well enough. Um, Jerome Loy, a massive bounce back game, getting a lot of shit talked about him in regards to, you know. He's enemy number one now because he had a bit of banter. He came back and he put on five try assists. Five try assists. That's the most I'm pretty sure of any player of the World Cup. You, you can love him. You can hate him. you got to respect the man. That's bouncing back in a big, big, big way. Um, so, look, I liked what I saw. I really like what I saw from Samoa. They responded exactly the way they should respond. What do you guys reckon? Yeah, I agree. I also think that, uh, you know, I know it's only one game, but I think uh, Chanel Harris-Tavita in the halves might be the way to go. Mm. I think that's Absolutely. the direction they'll go with. Yeah. Because, sorry for cutting off, Giro, I'll just quickly, you know, like it sounds like hyperbolic. First kick of the game, lands, boom, exactly where it needs to land. Gives yeah. Toto a chance to get there, they score. Yeah. There you go. There's your answer, right? Like I know it sounds simplistic, but we, we see all the other stuff. That is your answer right there. Sorry, Guru. No, I agree with everything you said, mate. I think Chanel Harris-Savita, like he's obviously not playing league next year. I think he wants to go um, traveling around next year, which is unreal. He might not get back on the plane. He might just come and join you, mate. <laughs> mate, hey, hey, Uso. My Uso. Come chill with the Pelagi. I'm Dali and Pelagi of the year, baby. And I'm in the same area. Come say hi. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree, mate. I, I think it has to be Chanel Harris-Savita. He's proven that he's – and if I'm being totally honest too, the vibe between Loy and, and Harris DeVita just seemed a, a bit better. They seem to – they just seem to be on the same page a bit more. And it's it's hard to – it's that's hard on Milf because Milf is playing against England. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's a it's a much – but it, it's just something about – it's kind of like the Australian side. There was just a vibe that just seemed to be a bit better. And we see that all the time. Like, how often have we seen two gun halves that on paper should be incredible, but they just don't seem to be able to make it work together? Um, anything else with the summer boys, Timmy? Uh, nothing too much, mate. You, you've touched on a few of the key stats there. Jerome Luai was like, I don't think I've ever seen a bigger difference in class than Jerome Luai to everyone else, not in this game, but to, to Greece, who that a crack, but just outclassed. Obviously, Jerome Luai, holy dooly. As for Samoa, just really intrigued to see how what this means to them. It can go one of two ways. It could be the the jolt they need to kick into year and go, how good is this? We are guns. Yes, we had weaker opposition, but we know we've got in this. We love this feeling. Let's get up for our next game and our first knockout game. Alternatively, does it lure themselves into a false sense of complacency going, how good are we? You know, They come against a tougher opposition and they're back to square one. Uh, mm. Time will tell. I don't know. And that, and that was my biggest concern after the England game is because they don't have any more big matches. Mm, yeah. So you're almost treading this weird position of like, oh, yeah, we're tailing teams up. Like, are we thinking we're better than we are or we're not? So, and that's why it was so important that they didn't, they didn't have to beat England, but at least put on a good show so they could go, all right, we know we're at that level. Whereas right now, they just, they just don't know. So 
it, it'll make it even more impressive if they are willing to, if they can turn it around. Tonga versus Wales pretty quickly. To, if I'm being honest, I thought Tonga was one of my more disappointing performance of the weekend. Um, I, I really wanted to see them build and build. Like they still beat them 32 to six. Does let's not get me get it wrong. Um, but I, like I probably at the start of this tournament probably had Tonga maybe even ahead of England if I recall. I think I did. I think I did. Um, whereas right now, I'd probably have England in front of Tonga, if I'm being honest. What do you guys reckon? Yeah, I agree, mate. And look, Tonga's still got a few more guys. Like they've obviously got Jason Tamalolo to come back into this side. Yeah. So there is more to come, obviously. But uh, still, the side they're putting out there was first class, and I, I thought they were disappointing. They created a lot of opportunities. They just weren't able to seal them. The amount of offloads and everything that went to ground, and when they were in space, they got held up a couple of times as well. Um, 32 to 6 is still a good win, don't get me wrong. But we want to hold Tonga to another level now. We don't want them to be just beating sides and be happy with that. We want them to be cutthroat and really be giving it to these lower sides and competing with the top sides. That's my expectation for them anyway. Yeah, Timmy? Kempi, C for Talakai, kicked a conversion from the sideline. <laughs> End of analysis. Yes, oh you're absolutely God. right. Was that not the best thing you've ever seen? You know what? I take back everything I said. Tonga are going to win the World Cup. <laughs> Tonga are going to win the World Cup. With Sifa Talakai, as leading goal kicker. Is he the most damaging ball runner? Oh, no, we had Meninga. But seriously, <laughs> kicking from the sideline, that oh. was a big bopper's dream. We were, I literally thought like I'd been pulled into a, a big bopper's dream. That's what I was watching watching that. Uh, yeah, great stuff. Great stuff. Um, PNG obviously beat Cook Islands. Great game. Great win. Uh, I thought Cook Islands really had a red-hot crack. Good on them. PNG, uh, once again, I thought they were solid. Uh, you know, they, they, they're Laybutt and Lamb are really good. Like, they're really good together. Uh, but, uh, boys, I've got to love you and leave you. Um, sorry, guys, like we couldn't get into more detail on the other games. Uh, any last question, on, Any last words on the PNG-Cook Island game? Can someone sign Laybutt, please? Someone <laughs> yeah. give him a fucking shot. Good God. Oh, man. Like I, so I was watching, I was like, who's Labour with? And I was like, I don't think he's with any club. Surely get a development deal somewhere. Yeah. And just before you go, Kemby, too, Reese Martin, 41 goals in a row. He was kicking to hold the record oh. himself, and he missed from the sideline. Then he nailed everything oh. else the entire game. Unbelievable. Why does it happen? It happens every time. You know what I mean? Every time. Ah, poor yep. bloke. All right, boys. I'm going to head off. Shit day ahead. Seriously. <laughs> dreading it. That sun looks pretty hot in the background. The sun's got brighter and brighter back there (laughs) as we've gone. It's awful. Oh, yeah, baby. Actually, I'm going over to the Isle of Capri, boys. The Isle of Capri. Sounds shit. Sounds awful. The Isle of Capri. Capri. Um, If you want to Google it, you can Google it and see where I'm at so you can get a feeling of what I'm doing. I'm sure you will. Uh, But anyway, uh, I'm about to get a divorce if I keep going longer, guys. So... Um, thanks for joining us, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, make sure to grab a case of bloke beer. Some certificate shirts, as you know, on the site. Make sure to grab some. Limited amount once they're gone, they're gone. Uh, and as usual, oh, yeah. I'll go fuck myself in Europe, baby. <laughs>